You're listening to the Popzara Podcast. Popzara presents the State of Gaming Podcast. Welcome back once again, everybody. This is the Popzara presents the State of Gaming Podcast. That's right. It's a monthly podcast where we talk about games, but this time we're talking about a whole year, a whole year of stuff that happened for 2021. Chronologically, if you're listening, it's 2022, which means another hell year is behind us. And for that, we are talking about the best, the worst, and everything else games of the last year. Uh, we're not too late. I think we're pretty good in there. And for that, we've got Popstar's own senior games editor, Mr. Corey Galahar. Corey, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. And did I say it right? Uh, close enough. Close enough. I'll take it. And the special guest uh, returning after a year away, but he's back with us, Mr. Antal Boker from Third Coast Review. Antal, welcome back. Hello. Great to be here. It is hard sounding so chipper. It's been a long day, so but we'll <laughs> chip away. Anyway, guys, we are talking about the best games, the best, worst, and everything else of 2021. And I think uh, there's a consensus that there was a lot this year, but some may have slipped through the cracks. Uh, so let's just get right into the meat and potatoes of it. Uh, we'll we'll start at the home front. Corey, so what were your best games of 2021? So I'll talk about my uh, my vote for the best game of 2021 at the at the end of my list because you, okay. you said the best for last. But you um, gotta build it up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so first off, I was a big fan of the PlayStation 5. Um, I was able to find one by buying it out of the back of someone's car at a police station parking lot. That happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey. So I wasn't killed. And that was nice. I remember last year, I think, until you said you actually scored one, right? But Yes, I forgot. Um, I always hate to say this, but I've had two since launch. Two? Uh, two. Yes. Uh, one for me and one for my wife, of course. Um, but I was super lucky. I, You know, we just no, uh, no parking lot dealings for us. We went straight to the website and got in. I, it was a miracle. But um, it's almost kind of mundane. I've had it for so long now, so <laughs> apologies <laughs> for anybody out there listening. That's called is still trying to that's, get fun. That's privilege. You have you have PlayStation privilege. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I did eventually get one of those emails saying, "Hey, you know, you're a loyal customer. We will allow you to come and purchase a PS5 if you would like to do so." But that was like two months after I bought it from the guy's trunk, so <laughs> you know, a little bit late. I, Sony hasn't sent me one of those yet, so I'm kind of uh, I feel kind of burnt. So I did, I did get to use that to buy one of those nice-looking red controllers. That you know, kind of worked out in the end. Oh yeah, very pretty. Anyway, I mentioned the PS5 because uh, the first game I want to talk about is Returnal. Uh, have you played that? Yes, yeah, and that is definitely on my list too. I loved Returnal. Um, yes. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's uh, this really good combination of kind of a bullet hell game, a third-person shooter, and it's got these roguelite elements that show up in literally everything these days. And I'm pretty sure I played like a like a McDonald's tie-in game the other day that had roguelite elements. I don't know. But it's solid. It's rock solid. Um, It's got this great cinematic presentation. It, that's something that Housemark, uh, who also did uh, Next Machina, and yes. uh, I believe Matterfall, uh, yeah, that's something they're really good at. They're great at the presentation of their games. Like, there is no game that looks like a Housemark game, and that's fantastic. And it's also got kind of this uh, loose story thread that ties everything together and kind of keeps you playing, and I really like that aspect of it, too. It's there. It's not super in your face, which is something I like because this is a gameplay focused game. You know, you don't want to be stopping constantly. But when the plot comes up, it comes up and it's nice. It's a kind of a sci-fi psychological horror sort of thing. Works really well. Um, so yeah, Returnal. If uh, you can find a guy with a PS5 in his trunk and you can buy one out of there, then uh, I strongly recommend it. Though I also wouldn't be surprised if I saw a PC version sometime this year. So 
Yeah, that's pretty much the way things are going with PlayStation 5 exclusives. Yeah, funny story. As of, as of the day we record this, uh, God of War, the 2014 game. Was it 2014? No, it wasn't. Was it? 2018. No, 2018. 20, yeah. 2018, yeah, what am I thinking? But yeah, that comes in <laughs> on PC on Friday as of this recording, so on the uh, 14th. Anyway, uh, next game I want to talk about is uh, Yakuza, but not the usual Yakuza that uh, people have played, you know, kind of this sort of next evolution of the Shinmu series. No, this is Yakuza Like a Dragon, where they kind of take the whole concept of the series and flip it over on its head. Instead of a brawler where you explore and do weird things and play arcade games, it is a turn-based RPG with a job system where you run around, explore, do weird things, play arcade games. And uh, it, you wouldn't think this is the kind of thing that would work very well, because they used to do stuff like this back in the day. You know, They'd make a weird spin-off sequel to a game and go in some kind of bizarre direction with it, and it wouldn't really work. Uh, but that's not the case here. I mean, this is a fantastic RPG in its own right. Um, it's got just the amount of zaniness and intense drama you come to expect from a Yakuza game. It's got a scene where you... Uh, you summon a chicken to come and lay a delicious egg that you put on your rice, and you eat the rice, and it heals you, and that's like a summon spell from Final Fantasy. It's got stuff like that. I love things like that. The way it uh, it simultaneously takes itself incredibly seriously and not seriously at all. I love that kind of aesthetic. It's wonderful. Uh, either of you guys played that one? No. no. It's on uh, Game Pass now, isn't it? It is on Game Pass, yeah, so there's no excuse. Come on, both of you. Let's just take a break and play uh, it right now. <laughs> Real quick, Corey, we can tie mm-hmm. into something. You're also – I know it's not on your list because I saw your list because I'm a cheater. Mm-hmm. Um, but you uh, were also a fan of these quasi-spinoff Lost Judgment, right? Yeah, which again, I, I guess you could call it a Yakuza game. Quasi-spinoff is probably a good term for it. It's basically set in the same world as the Yakuza games, but it's not directly related. But yeah, I actually thought about putting Lost Judgment on there, but I was like uh, between the two, you know, I don't know that – I want to fill up my entire list with the same series, even though I totally could. They're great. But Lost Judgment, I would actually say I kind of like the Judgment series better than Yakuza so far, except maybe Like a Dragon, because the main character, Yagami, he's... Again, it's, it's, it's a detective story played like a Yakuza game, so serious on one end, not serious at all on the other. You've got this incredibly charismatic main character, Yagami. It's, uh, he's... An incredibly intense detective, except when he's, you know, leading a high school dance team, because he does that. Um, the whole game, like, all these games are full of stuff like that. It's wonderful. I, I can't sell it enough just talking about it. And I want to point out, too, that if you guys, you know, if you viewers or even you two have never played a Yakuza game before, um, it might seem intimidating if there's so many of them. But I would argue that both Judgment uh, and Like a Dragon and even Lost Judgment are great ways to get started if you were ever interested. So, well, it's always good to have an entry point. I'm just such a completionist. I'm afraid I would get obsessive into that yeah. series, but yeah, definitely want to check it out. Totally it does, that. It it makes it difficult though <clears throat> because the games vary so differently, so wildly between like gameplay style and whatever. But don't, haven't they remade them all at some point? They too? have. Um, <clears throat> I would have to check the exact dates because I know it was kind of spread out. But you can actually play. Uh, some version or another of every single Yakuza game, except for the Judgment games, on PC now. Which is Welcome wonderful. to the future. It's the yeah. future. And if people keep asking me, uh, why are you so big on PC gaming? I'm like, well, because you can pretty much play everything on there. It's nice. No, you can play. Uh, you can play PS4 games on PC now when the PS5 gets the new God of War. So. Yep. so yeah. Though, funny story about that, you know, I saw a news story just today saying that they're amping up PS4 production because it's too hard to get PS5s to people, so they're selling them for longer than they thought they were going to. 
the the other side of that story is that the crackers finally uh, broke the firmware on the PlayStation Four. So yep. the timing is great. Like uh, basically, what they need enjoy. is a they need a whole fleet of guys with PS5s in their trunk that just drive around the country or various countries, and uh, maybe that's not a good idea. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> yep. Uh, next one, uh, we have a couple of RPGs that are from the same series, and I even though I said I wasn't going to do that, I'm full of crap. So first off, this year, sorry, last year. Uh, they remastered uh, Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne, which probably one of the best RPGs ever made. It, it's certainly up there. It's uh, uh, If you've never played a Shin Megami Tensei game, the best way to think about it is that it's kind of like uh, demonic Pokemon. You, you collect different mythological figures, and they help you fight other mythological figures, and some attacks are super effective, and uh, yeah, stuff like that. It's literally Pokemon. But it's difficult Pokemon. It's a kind of game where you need a lot of strategy, a lot of focus, a lot of uh, planning ahead to get past boss fights, and even regular battles will kill you later in the game. What's that game, that really hard game that From Software made where you roll around a bunch and you have a sword and Dark Souls? It's light and Dark Souls Pokemon. Kingsfield. Kingsfield. <laughs> Sorry, Kingsfield. Kingsfield. Wait a minute, wait. Uh, Eternal Ring from the PS2. Nobody played that game. Dark, uh, it would be interesting seeing uh, From Software make a game based in high school. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not gonna think about that. I, I, I'm just gonna leave that there. I have to say, if I think about that too much, I won't finish. I won't finish my list. But yeah, so Nocturne, a uh, great game. Only problem with it was that it came out on PS2 and was never released on anything else until last year. Now we have this HD remaster. Uh, game is rock solid, and I would actually argue one of the best things about it is the fact that uh, it runs on the Switch like a dream. So this is a wonderful game for taking it with you. Um, you would expect a PS2 game would run really nicely on the Switch, and it does. So that's cool, well, even in handheld mode. It, you expected Grand Theft Auto to run on the PS5, and it didn't. Um, but yeah. I'll tell you one quick thing I tell you, you should know about Corey. Corey always disparages the Switch when the games are also on PlayStation or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the, like, it's so funny watching, hearing him applaud games running well on the Switch when the predecessor was a PS2 game. <laughs> it's all perspective, Corey. It's hey. all perspective. So here's the sad thing. One of these days, maybe even this year, the Steam Deck is going to come out, and then I'll just be like, why don't you play it on your Steam Deck instead of saying you're playing on your Switch? They update <laughs> the drivers. That's, that's what's going to happen with that thing. They're not going to update it, and it's going to break compatibility. Oh, that, that's never happened before, looks at uh, Steam streaming box. Mm. <laughs> ah, whatever. We'll yep. see. We'll see what happens. Now, here's a game, however, that is also on the Switch that uh, maybe doesn't run quite as well, but it's still worth playing. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five came out. Now, you'll notice we skipped 4. Uh, 4 came out for the 3DS, so I don't know if we're going to see a port of that one anytime soon. You know, 5 came out uh, pretty late last year, and it is wonderful. Feels like a direct sequel to Nocturne, so it has all the best parts of that game, all the customization you could want, a bunch of demons to catch and have fight with you. Uh, pretty gripping storyline if you can... Uh, open your mind to anime nonsense, which I basically exist in a world of anime nonsense, so it's completely fine with me. You play as a dude with this really cool-looking flowing blue hair that I wish I had, and, you know, in the in the pandemic age, I haven't gotten a haircut, so I kind of do, so I could relate to it. Uh, it's a great game, definitely worth looking at. Now, the one complaint that I have about that one is actually the opposite of what I said about Nocturne. Shin Megami Tensei Five does not work so well on the Switch. It is, uh... It's rough. It's really rough. Um, we do know, well, I say we do know, but we can we can surmise based on some entirely uh, above-board data mining that there's going to be a PS4 version and a PC version. And if you haven't played it yet, am I going to tell you to wait? Not necessarily, but I'm going to suggest it strongly. Or, or, I mean, if you buy a copy and then you maybe go on your nice PC and you get 
that this, you know, Yuzu and you man. Let's not get into that. You should do it. It's a good idea. Shimigami Tensei games, both really good. Both came out last year. Very fond of them. Next game. Uh, it's another RPG, in fact, and I don't think many people played this one because, you know, I'll mention it to people and they didn't even know it existed. Um, a guy named Yoko Taro, uh, well known for a series called Nier. Again, if neither of you guys have played Nier or Nier Automata before, very much worth trying out sometimes. You can find, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 hours to spare because that's easy, right? And these are very atmospheric, kind of dark, uh, dark fantasy RPGs. Um, the first Nier is a more traditional game. Second Nier is kind of sci-fi. And he came out with a new game last year called Voice of Cards, The Isle Dragon Roars. And um, <laughs> cards are going to be kind of, a, kind of a theme with this game and the next one. Uh, Voice of Cards basically is like a tabletop RPG that you are playing with a narrator. And he narrates everything. He does all the voices for all the characters. He reads everything that happens. Um, and you essentially play this little tabletop game with this guy that you don't see right in front of you. And he's talking about how you found this treasure and you slayed this monster and this person said yada, yada, yada. And uh, without spoiling too much, it is rock solid. It really nails the thing that, the things that make Yoko Taro's games great, which is this wonderful music, this uh, surprisingly deep gameplay. Um, the writing is fantastic. Um, there's plenty of weirdly dark moments. Uh, at one point, spoiler alert, you, uh, you help a villager whose husband uh has been van has vanished you know where where is he it turns out that she he was abusive and she killed him and chopped him up and sold him at a restaurant and everybody's been eating him in the whole village and we never talk about it again stuff like that um, you know what's funny that's the exact same plot to fried green tomatoes is it yeah you you, you probably don't remember that movie because it had just got dandy that's not, there was there it? was cannibalism yeah there was they cooked the husband and they served him up at a barbecue what? Okay, it's been a minute since I've seen that movie, but really. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Like, wait a minute, I don't remember that. Yeah, it was in there. Your wait, that, just you're not making that up, really? No, I swear to goodness. In wow. that Frankie Tomatoes, they kill the abusive husband and they cook him at a barbecue and serve him to the neighborhood. Happened. Well, Look it up. Well, damn. See? Oh my god. <laughs> well, I know what I'm watching after this, I guess. I remember watching that as a kid, and that flew right over my head. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember that too. Like I like thinking my mom watched, and I watched it with her at one point, and I didn't, I didn't take that away at all. Is that real? I'm yeah. looking it up later. Anyway, um, it's, it's crazy. Well, damn, I don't know that my next game can really stand up to a story like it can. It can easily. The best game, uh, in my view, of 2021 came out a few months ago. I think it was October. Um, it's a game called Inscription. Uh, have either of either of you played this one? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Corey, I must say, uh, you were the first one that I know that started talking about this because I know you received a review code many, many moons before it came out, I believe. I think it was about three weeks, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people have come to this game. So I just want to say you were ahead of the curve once again. Let me tell you the experience of receiving a review code for a game like this three weeks in advance, and you are not allowed – what's that? The same one. I'm so sorry. Yes, I had the same experience. I got an early review code of it too. Yeah completely uninitiated, but I'm sorry, go ahead. And you are not allowed to say anything about what happens to anybody. In fact, this is the first review code I've gotten. Um, No, I think Guardians of the Galaxy did it too, where you are not allowed to say you got a code. uh, Well, we... You really like this game. Moving on. I I adored this game. Um, Inscription, so the idea here... um, Resident Evil 7, Resident Evil Village, I think Nate's going to talk about one of those later. Um, These are more down-to-earth horror stories in the Resident Evil universe where 
you are a mostly unarmed, mostly defenseless character in a situation that's terrifying and you have to make your way through it. It's a return to the root for survival horror. Now, what if you take that concept and you mix it with a card game? You are locked in a cabin with a guy who wants to play cards with you. Uh, And he says that if you lose, he'll kill you. And if you lose, he kills you. And you have to start over. So um, it's got those roguelite elements that we talked about a little bit ago. But um, this is one of those games that I really, really like and that I think everybody should play and that I cannot say anything about besides what I just mentioned. Because if I do, I am defeating the reason that you would play it. But I will say that what I just described to you is one facet of what's actually happening. And this game is like 20 bucks max, I think. You, you need to play this. This, again, 2021, uh, 2020 at Hades, 2021 has inscription. So uh, trust me on your, this. Um, your game of the year last year was Genshin Impact, wasn't it? Yeah, and I still play that, in fact. Yeah, it's only gotten bigger. So Yeah, everybody. It, it's funny to go on YouTube and... I use a lot of ad blockers and stuff, but on the few times I see it, on the few occasions that I do see an ad, it is oddly enough for Genshin Impact, which I'm like, I thought everybody played this already. What do you need to advertise for? Well, not everything can be Call of Duty, Corey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Whatever whatever they're on now. No. But not every game I played this year was good, though. That's true. There were some stinkers. There were some stinkers. And now. I am, you know, I'll say this on podcast till the day that I die. I don't think there are many bad games anymore. I think that there are games that are not as good as they could have been. But we're going to talk about a couple of those, and then we'll talk about one game that actually is bad. So, games that I thought would be better that were not. First one, Disgaea 6. Uh, Disgaea 6. Sixth game in the series, obviously. It's not. It's like the ninth game. Numbering is weird. Uh, long-running strategy RPG series where the gimmick is that you can level up forever. You can... Level until the day that you die, if you want. And I'll still be talking about how there aren't any bad games at that point, too. Um, Here's the problem. A big part of a game like this is that you have to feel invested in it. Like, if you're going to spend 100, 200 hours grinding a character up, you know, it wants to feel good like you did something. Because, I mean, obviously, it's a pointless exercise in meniality. Like, you didn't really do anything, but you you pushed the buttons. You did the thing. Now, we're going to take this whole concept. First off, we're going to put on the Switch... And then we're going to use 3D models for the first time in the series. We're going to take the Switch, a relatively underpowered machine. You know, it does a lot of things right, but I definitely won't say it's got some horsepower. And then we're going to make a new engine, and it's going to run like crap. That's problem one. Problem two, we're going to introduce a system where you can automate the entire game. The entire game can play itself. If you remember being a kid and you're playing Final Fantasy VI and you rubber band up your controller so it levels itself on the river for, like, overnight, that's this game. That's the whole game. You can automate everything you never have to touch it it will level your dudes to whatever level you want as long as you leave the switch docked and it's turned on there's nothing satisfying about that maybe it's just me you know i i think from what i've seen in the community and so far as i care about that i don't think a lot of people like this game as much as the previous one to sky five and i can see why you know they trimmed a lot of things down there aren't as many weapons there aren't as many character classes there aren't as many spells but in return you can automate the whole game so you don't even have to play it and I'm going to be real. When I play Final Fantasy XII, which is another game that has a similar system, I'm fine with this. Because in that game, you have to actually physically be at the controls, you know. You have told the game what buttons to press because you would have pressed them yourselves otherwise. But you still have to play the game. With this, it's all automated. Not into it. Well, uh, hey, Corey, real quick uh, segue. Mm-hmm. 
I don't want to say names of these people involved because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but sure. you and I have a mutual contact, a uh, de- very famous developer who worked on very famous fighting games. You sure. know who I'm talking about. Yes. And I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. It rhymes with Mooper Meat Biber Poo. And <laughs> I remember years ago he tried to revise this really complex, really popular fighting game. And to do that, you, you basically had to turn complex moves into single button presses. And the argument was, and I think you and I argued back and forth, that his argument was that the more accessible the moves are, the more you can work about strategy. Mm-hmm. But there was also the other argument that by taking away, you know, the physicality of the game, you take away its rewards. Right. And I don't think I don't think we're going to solve that argument here. But at least you're pressing a button. Right. That's what I'm <laughs> at saying. Least, and at least you're pressing a button. And funny story about that. The uh, you know, just continuing the segue. The more recent big name fighting games that we've seen, uh, Guilty Gear Strive, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, uh, the latest release of Undernight, all of those have full inputs. So maybe yeah, maybe you're onto something. No, it just swung back. At at some point, you realize that the sacrifices aren't always worth the gains in popularity. Because at, at some point, if something becomes so open and so inclusive, it loses what made it exclusive in the first place. And there's nothing wrong with being a little exclusive. It's like, imagine Dark Souls easy mode. And I will you know? say, in, in a game like that, it does feel good to, you know, you know, finally get that combo that you've been training with. And I fully believe that everybody should be able to play everything. But in a competitive game, somebody has to win. Just how it is. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Speaking of disappointing games, though... The other one. And, you know, I reviewed this for Pop Zara, and I said it was good because it is good. There aren't many bad games. But I was disappointed in this game. This game is Tales of Arise. Tales of Arise gets a lot of good press, and it deserves a lot of good press. Um, one of the places where it does not deserve good press is in the combat system. Uh, did either of you play Final Fantasy Thirteen? Yes. Uh, a while ago, but yes. Sure. Do you remember the system in that game where your character's attacks wouldn't really harm an enemy until their little stagger meter, like the other half of their health, filled up, and they were staggered, and then you could kill them. Yes. So the way this generally works is that (laughs) all the... Sorry, it sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, you played it a while ago. Anyway, well, I just explained it to all of you. The enemies in Final Fantasy XIII had health. It did not matter. You could not kill them until you hit them enough, and then their guard was down, and then you just eliminate them. They're... There was no concern about how much damage you were doing, because all that mattered was that stagger bar. Now, Tales of Arise. Tales of Arise is a system where your characters uh, don't do much damage, but the enemies have a little meter that fills up. And when the meter fills up, you can do a cool-looking fatality move, and the enemy dies, and then you move on, and you do it again with the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And that's the whole game, the entire game. 40 hours of this. I don't know, man. Um... The story was fine, if a little light, given they had to make a new engine and there's COVID and so on and so forth, and everybody was busy. Uh, but that is a lot of filling up meters and hitting fatality buttons and just, uh, nah, <laughs> nah. So, you, yeah. so, you, so the feedback loop was not pleasing, when I'm, Yeah, when I'm playing an RPG, I want to feel like I have a little bit more control than literally make this bar go up, if that makes sense. And, you know, I, I don't see a lot of people saying they didn't like this game very much. So maybe I'm crazy, but it's my you life. You know, I played a lot of uh, Tales of Arise when I did my review for it, but mm-hmm. I'm actually struggling to remember the combat in that game. So I think maybe that itself, um, I guess my impression of the game was mediocre the whole time. Like, <laughs> it wasn't really for me, but it wasn't bad. And, you know, to the point you said earlier, it just, you know, it could be better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, these these aren't bad games. I would say if... If at any point I feel like I am having a better time playing a video game than I would be having at work, 
it's a pretty good video game. And I feel that most of the time these days. Maybe I need a new job. <laughs> but, uh, Anto, I got a question because I, I never get to ask anybody else at other outlets this, but I'll ask you this. Um, as someone who reviews games, you know, we're often tasks, tasked with the ideas, well, what do you think about this game? And you only have a certain amount of time to come to a decision. Maybe you got a little extra time because you got the code early. Maybe you got it after release, whatever. And you want to, but you want to have, you know, your honest opinion based on your experience. And Corey, you and I have talked about this before too. Mm -hmm. But how much do you think it helps the listener or the reader when we do something like this, when we reevaluate the game months and months later, and then you really get to think about it? And I and I don't mean to demean the game, right? Because I haven't played Tale of Rise, Corey. You have, sure. But it's like, well, how much did it stick with you? And how much of what you thought at the time was was great, but then at the end of the day, does it have to justify itself at the end of the year by being memorable? Or like you, like like we talked about before the show, uh, just forgetting about it could be a sign that it really wasn't as good as you thought. Like, does that really play into it, like memorability, or do you not think so? I would say definitely yes, but uh, the problem with my perspective is I just play so many games, <laughs> and they just get dumped out of my head right when I'm done playing them. It's like I tell my writers, it's like pattern recognition. <laughs> you know, yeah. you just gotta, you know, look for the familiar, go with that. Uh, you know, play a game to completion if it's possible, um, or get an impression and you know kick the tires, see everything you can see, and. Uh, but the thing about that is um, there are definitely things that stand out to me games um, a year later. Uh, some of them even that I look back on reviews and like, man, what was I thinking? Because, you know, playing that game for six months or, you know, maybe a week after I wrote the review, I just ended up just, you know, hitting a wall and hating that game. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, for a game to probably, you know, make my best of list, at least in this context, um, it would have to have memorable elements. And um, most of those elements would have to be pretty memorable, um, despite, you know, all the games that I do play. Does, you never notice, though, does it help when there are certain games that are clearly designed to mimic other games? Like you play a first person shooter, I won't name any by name, but you play you play one big franchise, you're given the controller and a completely different game and it plays exactly the same. Like there's almost not there's no difference other than you know the developer or the the title and it it just becomes so samey sometimes. Yeah, it feels like it's like different themed roller coasters. You know, <laughs> um, there's a reason a park has more than one, and um, I, I feel like even themes alone. I have friends, you know, that play that have kids and full time jobs, and they play games, you know, you know, one or two games a year. And what they'll look for is, you know, they'll want to get on the pirate ship ride. You know what I mean? Or they'll, in this case, they'll want realistic graphics. They'll want, um, or, you know, they don't want stylized. Or they love stylized graphics and they like turn-based games or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, even if it's, like, different shooters that play exactly the same. And I actually kind of uh, appreciate, you know, mm -hmm. the fact that I can pick up a controller and, you know, expect the controls to be pretty similar between modern shooters. I've been getting into retro games um, a yes. lot and um, just playing these old games, you know, it's like my brain's already wired to kind of figure out how the games work. And um, it's fun, you know, figuring out these sometimes strange, you know, archaic control schemes, but it's nice to pick up a game and kind of have an idea of how it works, you know, like right triggers, shoot the gun. Awesome. I can do that. A is jump can do that. You know, it's, um, you know, you change up the dressing a little bit and now you're, you know, fighting space pirates. And, you know, <laughs> there's I don't know. I think that's great. Honestly, I don't really think that um, diminishes it at all. 
It's kind of like you know, McDonald's. You, you, <laughs> you know what to expect. You know, you, you, put, you ever play retro shooter games, like side-scrolling shooting games, and the only way to differentiate them sometimes, you have to say it's the one with the fish or yes. it's, it's the one with the greased-up muscle guys. Oh, my God. Yeah, you that's how I... You know exactly I, what I'm talking about, though. You know exactly the games. I do, yep. And that's how I describe them to my wife, who, um, you know, she's she plays video games herself, but she's not as immersed. And she actually writes um, for my section, um, too. Uh, you know, she's an editor herself, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, she's not... Uh, primarily a video game writer but you know that's how i describe them to my wife so she can you know kickstart it in her mind but yes that actually is what fried green tomatoes is about i told you i told you <laughs> you see that's the thing you get older and you're like oh jessica tandy she's so sweet it's just a it's you know it's it's another chick flick no there's cannibalism there is you know, with the barbecue what yeah. the hell yep okay moving on um moving on <laughs> moving on to pleasant things Right, Not pleasant your, things. What is your worst game of 2021? Okay, so I hate to do this, but it's necessary. Um, can you guys think of any game that was developed for 14 years? Star Citizen? Wait. Yeah, Star well, C- it has to be. You, it's getting there. I'm finish sorry. Game, finish <laughs> game. <laughs> um, so, what was that one game? Um, what was that one game that just came out? I don't know if it counts. The one that 2D side scroller that came out. It, uh, Clockwork, yeah. Clockwork Aquarius, what you're thinking of. So I don't know if that really yeah. counts. And there's there's actually another one called a uh, uh, Grimoire Heralds of the Winged Exemplar came out a few years back. We're not worried about those. We're worried today about Hanako Honor and Blade. Now these uh, these college students, 14 years ago, they get together and they say to themselves, "We want to make a video game." And the lead of the team says, "You know, my mom passed away a while ago, so we're going to make a." emotional tribute to my my deceased mother and yeah you know that's the kind of thing that i would expect college students and on video games i would make and it might even be pretty good no um what they made is for honor and it took them 14 years and it, it gets worse um okay so hanako honor and blade is a multiplayer only game and it took 14 years to develop and currently um, let me just bring up the Steam chart. Yeah, there it is. Zero players currently. Um, and a total number of players of uh, peak players was 30 ever. No, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. It's three. Three. Can we uh, can we make a disclaimer here? Uh, and out of fairness, just to show the impartiality... Uh, this game that you declared the worst game of 2021, um, mm-hmm. the one you're taking a giant crap over. Yes. Uh, just to show your impartiality, you actually spoke with and had a very good conversation. I had with, I had a very guys. I had a very nice discussion with the lead dev of this game, and I I was impressed with his story. But he took 14 years to make a version of For Honor that you cannot play because there are not enough people to get a match together. And that's after they went free to play. I want to say two weeks ago. It gets worse. Well, <laughs> we're not laughing at uh, was it a Matt Kenai or whatever? I, it's something like that. Or his or his development. It's just it is the reality of the the industry that if Wait. you make a game relying on online and then no one shows up to your party, then you don't have a party. Okay, now if you make a game and the game is only online and there's not enough people together to get a match, so you can't actually play the game. Whose fault is that? 
Just if, if you're the developer and this is what happens, whose fault is it? It's an easy See? question. It's an easy question. <laughs> and the answer is the players. It's their fault. Why aren't they getting on the Discord and getting a match together there? What's wrong with them? Um, There's cricket. the crickets. There's crickets. Yeah. You, so, so so what do you think the problem though? Like what do you think do you think it's a problem of development wasn't noticing trends or maybe noticed trends had gone or or do you think that probably the uh, the design of the game changed over the years to be online only? I can look over my Steam list and find dozens and dozens and dozens of indie games that attempt to do this online-only thing. And it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I don't think the average indie developer has the resources or the capability to keep servers up, to keep a player base going. Um, there's a number of concerns and considerations that go into making an online-only game, but I would say even more than that, I don't think attacking your players when they aren't playing your game because nobody's playing your game is really the way to go either. Yeah, that's, I, I wouldn't even say it's a matter of, you know, you don't have to hire a PR company for that one. That's I, Actually, I disagree with you, Corey. I think it's very consistent because if someone's going to spend 14 years to make a game that relies on players and then the game comes out, the players don't want to play, yeah. it's very consistent that it's obviously the player's fault because they aren't mind readers. And because they're not mind readers, they they couldn't read the mind of the developer and realize we need to support this. We shouldn't already know this. We should read his mind. So clearly, it's the, the developer's right. Like it's players' uh, faults. You know, I don't want to say there's anything incredibly bad about uh, these guys or their team or even the project that they made. But what I do want to say is that when you are up until two weeks ago selling for money a game that you cannot play on Steam. I think that qualifies you to be the worst of the year. By default? By default. By default. Oh, and uh, one last game I want to mention before I'm done. Everybody, go out, go on Steam right now, buy Kung Fu Jesus in the search for Celestial Gold. Trust me on this. Anyway, drops the mic. Kung Fu Jesus and the search for Celestial Gold. Kung Fu Jesus and the search for Celestial Gold. Okay, so okay. This, guy's from, <laughs> this, this guy, this guy, Kung Fu Jesus, it's his name. Lives in Scotland. Scotland gets locked down. What does Kung Fu Jesus decide to do? He decides to watch YouTube videos about how to make his own video game, and by God, he does it. And you, there are no words for what ha what happens in this game. This game is, is is mental. This is at one point you go go karting. There's a part where it, it I mean it's a two, it's a two D side scrolling brawler with go karting segments. At one point, you have to fight the Ninja Turtles, and they'll teach you how to do a cool throw if you beat them. Um, you have to watch out for those uh, 4G antennas scattered throughout town because they're dangerous. They're bad for you. And by that, I mean if you stand next to them too long, they'll zap you with a little lightning bolt. It's crazy. It sounds like an indie Suda 51, to be yeah, honest with you. Yeah, kind of. Oh, oh, and all the music is Kung Fu Jesus <laughs> singing. Uh, full disclosure, Corey, you speak. You spoke to the creator of Kung Fu Jesus. I also you? spoke to Kung Fu Jesus <laughs> yeah. himself. There, there is There's an a honest. Trend here. It, 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 the stuff is memorable, you know. Like it's like you were, it's like you guys were saying earlier. You know, I will remember Hanako Honor and Blade forever. So it's memorable. Kung Fu Jesus, I will sure as hell remember because oh boy. You guys sat here and watched fried green tomatoes. You didn't, you didn't remember the cannibalism, so I don't know what it's going to take. I feel like they were really, like, subtle about it, weren't they? If they had cannibalism in Steel Magnolias, you'd probably forget that, too. Do they? So, no, they don't. Not in Steel Magnolias. But, 
So okay, so we got Corey's list. So Corey, you uh, you you had some you had some big ones there, and you had some small ones. Knowing you, it's always a mix. Yep. But let's change perspective. Antel, as our guest, you get runner up. So let us talk about your favorite games of 2021. Oh man, um, what a year! So <laughs> many games. Uh, honestly, um, my list overlaps quite a few uh popular lists but surprisingly i have a few on here that wasn't on any of yours like uh one of my highlights this year was psychonauts 2 i don't know if any of you are fans or have played uh the original or the sequel um but that game is just if it's like distilled tim schaefer but modernized. I actually played through the original Psychonauts one uh, to kind of give myself like a, you know, um, I guess a refresher on the, on the series. And um, boy, that game did not age well, but Psychonauts two is um, it's like everything that made the first game uh, a little bit toned down in craziness, surprisingly, but toned up and storytelling and um, actually has a pretty good emotional impact too. Surprisingly Um, it's, just a great game. I was very surprised by Psychonauts 2. Went into it thinking I would just surprised, think it was okay, but it's great. Surprised it actually came out. Like, yes. there's, a, there's a handful of things you never think would ever come out. Like, you mentioned Duke Nukem Forever. It came out, went very good. But everybody seems to like Psychonauts 2 a lot better than Duke Nukem Forever. And that's funny you said that, because that was definitely one of my concerns coming into it, but um, I kind of forgot about that uh, quarter into the game. It's really magical. It's kind of like... Um, uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift, Rift Apart is kind of um, like parallel mm-hmm. to that game for me because they both feel like, well, I guess they both were started early 2000s. I think Ratchet and Clank was a little bit earlier than Psychonauts by a few years because I think Ratchet and Clank was 2001, Psychonauts was 2005, something like that. But um, uh, they both feel like, you know, like I know Ratchet and Clank's been going on for a while. I, full disclosure, that was my first Ratchet and Clank game I've ever played, so I'm completely unfamiliar with the series, except for the fact that it's like an early 2000s, you know, adventure game. But um, I think the best part about Ratchet and Clank wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, the games that came before it, but it's just like a, I think I saw this some written somewhere, so this might not even be my original thought, but it was like a showcase of the PlayStation 5. Oh, hopefully it was what I wrote because that is what i wrote <laughs> showcase the impressive power of the playstation 5 and it's also like it's um people uh you know if you want to be like hey check out you know the cool playstation 5 uh the dual sense controller um you know and all it's capable of play astros playroom it feels like ratchet and clank is just like a long astros playroom in a way um but of course you know it still has that weird um you know like shrill villain mm-hmm. um you know, early two thousands type storytelling, but, um, you know, it was, it was pretty fun. Uh, but those games feel like so much in the same vein, but it's just so completely different from each other. Enjoyed them both very much. Um, well, you know, with, uh, with Psychonauts, Psychonauts is Tim Schafer, right? Yes. Yeah. With Tim Schafer, let's be honest with him. It's, you never know. Uh, but with Ratchet and Clank, <laughs> you have Sony and an unlimited bank account to, to deliver whatever they want at this point. So it's it's almost like David and Goliath in a way. Like No, no, they, absolutely. I mean, the very fact that I can talk about uh, Ration Clank, uh, A Rift Apart, and Psychonauts 2, you <laughs> know, like Double Fine versus, oh my god, I don't know who develops Ration Clank. Um, totally is, it Insomniac? is it Insomniac? Yes, I think it is, yeah. yes. Um, but um, 
you know, it's it is David and Goliath, and the fact that like I'm just incredibly impressed with uh, Double Fine and what they were managed to make in Psychonauts too. As long as they don't make Brutal Legend too. <laughs> uh, Brutal Legend was fine. Mm. Yeah, I feel like that game was uh, maligned. Yeah, that game um, was fine. Like what? Yeah. Well, we 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 joke about Tim Schafer, but I would love I. I I don't think we're ever going to see him go back to like doing the old like. Did he do Maniac Mansion? Was that him? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Or Dan um, the Tentacle? Like he might have. I need to Google that because I'm not sure. Because because uh, you know they blend after a while. All those point and click like Monkey Island, they all sort of blend after a while. But that yeah. irreverent humor, which you kind of miss in games, by the way, you kind of miss that sort of thing. Well, um, that's actually a pretty good segue for a game that I didn't see on anybody's list, um, Unmetal, which is a game that is kind of a um, like aping on the old uh, NES uh, Metal Gear game. That's a yes. that's a team that I made on Epic, right? Um, maybe. <laughs> in any case, I've definitely seen it pop up in my Steam recommendations, but I haven't tried it yet. That's why we have need, diversity. Uh... That's why we have guests here, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. So you, can, you can fill in those blanks. It was indeed. Oh my god! And the music started playing. Okay, yes, it was. I actually didn't know that, so thank you for giving no me that tidbit. Um, I played on Epic too, and I enjoyed it. But um, yes, apparently it's the same team that made on Epic. Um, but uh, I didn't see this game on any other list of best of the year. It's amazingly funny. It reminds me so much of those old, uh, you know, Lucas Arts point and click adventure games. Uh, the humor, and I see a lot of people saying like the humor didn't work for them. And I loved it. It's stupid. It's 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 honestly just stupid at times, but it's absurd. Also, and I love absurd humor, um, <clears throat> but the best part about it is the narrator, uh, the main character you play as, is kind of telling the story you're playing, um, and he's unreliable. And it's funny because, you know, there'll be a section where he's talking to his interrogators. He's like, I fought off six guys. And then the guy, you know, later on, he'll say, I fought off 12 guys. And they'll be like, which was it, six or 12? And you can choose. And if you choose six, you know, six guys will show up on the screen. You have to fight them. But then they'll have like machine guns or rocket launchers. You can say twelve, but then you know, like you have to fight twelve guys hand to hand. It's it's like his embellishments change the gameplay and the story, and it's hilarious. It does get a little bit grindy near the end. I feel like the first three quarters of the game is probably the cream, and it's just like the end just felt like they you know like padding. But um, I really couldn't fault it too much. I just absolutely loved Unmetal. It's so funny because this is exactly what I love about video games and tell is that. You basically just describe this game like a video game version of like Don Quixote. In literature, you get the unreliable narrator, you get windmills, and in this, you get Metal Gear Solid clones. It's, <laughs> it's great. It does it's sound so fantastic. I, will, I really want to try it now. It does sound great. Yes, it's very fun. It left a very good first impression, and um, I really couldn't put it down. I'm I have a bad habit of starting a game and then just kind of like letting it sit for a week. You know, get that early release code. The uh, embargo doesn't lift for like three weeks, you know, so I just let it sit for about two weeks after I play it. If I'm not interested, I'm like, I'll come back to it. I got time for that later. And um, on metal, I just played through right away and I really enjoyed it. Nice. Um, also on my list, which was kind of a surprise late edition, um, was Chicory, A Colorful Tale. I actually saw this coming up on best of 2021 list near the end of the year. And I was surprised because I had never heard of it. And um, 
they were releasing a Nintendo Switch version around that time, played the Nintendo Switch version, kind of regretted playing the Nintendo Switch version because it feels like it would play so much better with a mouse and keyboard. But it's a uh, wholesome, very, I, I guess, cute type game, but it has like a, a surprising dark side, especially in its boss battles. Uh, basically, you go around, paint the environment. Um, it's a game where... It's really about uh, people who are creative, like creative types and, you know, the doubts that come with it. Um, and I've just never really played another game that uses color. Basically, I don't want to say as a weapon, <laughs> but, um, you know, as a way to like as a tool to like fight or solve puzzles. It's it's extremely interesting and extremely poignant. And I'm drawn to very emotional games lately, um, especially ones that you don't expect to be emotional, even though you can tell beneath the surface it's going to get there, you know, but um, Chicory is definitely one of those games. The only game that I remember where you really play with color, uh, where it's a big thing, would be, do you remember the game De Blob? Years and yes, years ago? I do remember that. Yeah, and they just came out <clears throat> for Switch not too long ago. Did they really? Yeah. It's, uh, I remember, it's, and I think like some version, like I think whoever made uh, Splatoon probably, you know, aped a lot of that design element but yeah um by the way a lot of people talked about chicory a colorful tale i missed it but you're not kidding though this game probably plays good on windows probably plays well on windows it looks like it was drawn in microsoft paint and i think that's what makes it look so great yes like it's yeah, got a very nice color, aesthetic you can color all the screens anything you want it's just like you're basically walking around with a crayon and you're like oh i'm just going to color the landscape and you can make it pretty if you want you can sit there and color but you know, obviously that's not what the game's about, but, and you can even, and it's just fun. There's just, it's one of those games that, um, I don't know. It just feels, you know, like every, yeah, not only that, but you know how every element in a game has to, you know, like be towards progression or towards the story and this, you know, the coloring of the world, you know, has to do with the story, but it just feels like it's fun. It's just like a, Hey, I want to, I want to color the screen. This feels like a good one to color. <laughs> you know, you know, aesthetically, it doesn't look a lot like it, but it reminds me of sort of the, way you describe it reminds me a little bit when people talk about games like earthbound is that you have games that may be familiar in, in in one way but aesthetically they look so different than anything else and that's not to disparage it because i think the game looks great but it's definitely loose i'll just say that it's a loose <clears throat> yeah game. and that is actually kind of towards its detriment in some areas getting around levels is kind of annoying because you can't tell where the path is because the way the terrain is done uh is differentiated through textures more so than like depth um, so it took me a little bit getting used to, um, but uh, once you start getting movement abilities, you kind of forgot all about that because you could just jump over whatever obstacle or whatnot. You know? So uh, you mentioned that this game is kind of about like imposter syndrome and creatives. Kind of. Um, yes. I mean, like, yes, absolutely. Part of it is um, and part of it is just like, you know, that. Uh, well, you know, yeah, absolutely. Because that, that self-doubt and yeah, that's, Do you, that's exactly uh... it. So do you solve this problem through like immense amounts of ridiculous bravado? Because that's what I do. I just charge in screaming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how I deal with it personally. Um, <laughs> you can scream into the void. Yeah. Also, which Leroy is... Jenkins. Exactly. Um, but you know, you just you just got to do it. <laughs> I have uh, I have played some of this. It's actually it's really interesting, especially as you mentioned the boss battles. It is those are completely unexpected given the kind of game it is, and I think they're one of the more memorable moments of it for me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny, too, because um, the soundtrack in games, I've been playing a lot of games that have amazing soundtrack. We didn't mention that for Inscription. Mm -hmm. I love the soundtrack. It was it like added so much to the environment of the game. 
I hated the soundtrack for Chicory until the boss battles. I, I, I just want a compilation of boss battle music and just I would listen to that. But um, the world music is just kind of. Uh, just to reiterate, you would prefer, you would recommend this game on PC over the Switch, but you would not unrecommend the Switch version, correct? Yeah, obviously drawing is a big part of it, but drawing with uh, the thumbsticks isn't as intuitive or natural to me as drawing with a mouse. But other people might not feel the same way. Mm. Always forget the Switch doesn't have like a native stylus. Seems like a missed opportunity for it. Apart from Crayola type drawings, what is next on your favorites until? I have a couple that uh, my writers actually added, or actually three of them that are on here, not necessarily because of me. Um, I want to go through them real quick. I can't speak much of them because I didn't play them. Unpacking uh, is one that came up a lot. Um, people were talking about it's kind of like a um, Zen garden or a style of Tetris. Um, I don't know if anybody here played Unpacking. So I'm familiar with that. I've definitely seen videos of people playing it. Yeah. Um, this is where you uh, you are, as it says, you're unpacking a new apartment or a new place to live. And I think the order in which you do the unpacking changes the, the plot. Is that how it works? Yeah, that's what how I'm familiar with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that one showed up on a, a lot of lists. Same as, oh, I'm sorry, another game that came uh, that I have on my list that didn't show up on another one that uh, I was urged to put on was Lost Words Beyond the Page. This Lost was words. written by, I want to get this right. Okay, so my writer said it was the brainchild of Terry Pratchett's daughter. Rihanna Pratchett, I know, had a lot to do with the writing. Because I don't know if you know this or if you're familiar with Terry Pratchett at all, the you know, author of the Discworld series, um, etc. Um, his daughter actually writes for video games, and uh, I hmm. think the latest game she released was Lost Words Beyond the Page. Now, my writer said... Um, you handle the pain of growing up, losing loved ones, and uh, two interwoven narratives, one of which is your own journal. And for her, it hit home after a year of loss, um, but it was one of the most unique games she played. So, Did you uh, play the first one? Did I? I didn't even know there was a first one. Yeah, I don't. Is yeah. there a first one? What? I think, well, is this game related? I think there was a game called Lost Worlds on the, on the Wii. Lost Words. Oh, this is Words. Lost Words. Words. Yeah. Oh, well, you know what's funny? It looks exactly the same. Uh, but by the way, Lost Worlds was a very good game on the on the on the Wii. It has nothing to do with Lost Words. <laughs> uh, but I, I lost it when you mentioned Terry Pratchett's daughter because I got to give her a lot of respect. When Terry Pratchett died, she was very adamant that they would not continue the Discworld series. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't happen a lot in the literary world. They usually um, exploit it till it. yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, that's fantastic. God, it looks so much like it, though. I'm so sorry. I, I'm. <laughs> That's I'm fine. Just... I'm not very familiar with it. Um, like I said, it's it was a request. And the last of those is, uh, before I could speak to my own experience again, is Death's Door. Even though I did play Death's Door, um, I did like it quite a bit. I feel most of its appeal um, is towards those who like, uh, it's kind of like a, it was described as a, not exact words, I'm paraphrasing, like baby's first souls born game <laughs> oh goodness yeah. yeah and i don't want to say i don't want to disparage anybody because it is actually kind of challenging it's not a super easy game but it has a great atmosphere um great art direction but absolutely solid combat mechanics um i love uh mechanically satisfying games i could play a game that has almost any theme um any you know like art style and as long as it was just felt good to play i could just play it for hours and um death store is definitely one of those you are filling in so many blanks here for us you know that like this is amazing yeah i did Boring. play uh, i did Making play notes. 
No, I did play Death's Door. In fact, I believe I wrote about it for Pop Zara. It's a, yeah, kind of a Zelda-style game. It feels really good, as you were saying. Like, the gameplay just clicks in just that really nice, enjoyable way. The character feels good to control. The combat feels really good. It's a solid experience. And that's one of those games where, um, I don't want to spoil anything, but I was hoping for, like, a, there's a, there is a twist, and I guess that's a spoiler saying that. Sorry, everyone. But, um... Uh, it's not surprising though, and it's. I was just. I don't know. I guess I was hoping for something. I played it after Inscription and a few other similar games. That I guess I was just hoping for more. And it just. It's not definitely not a bad game, but um, it was a little underwhelming for me personally. But it showed up on a lot of lists, and I had um my uh, writer Alex Arona. He definitely. I think his original headline for it is you know my game of the year uh, when he first did the review for it. And he was super enthusiastic about it. And I can see why it's, it's a great game. That's impressive too, that he would say that so early because death's door came out in July. Yeah. I knew it was a pretty early one, but then again, I was pretty much thinking about the, about inscription. Oh no, that was October. That was getting pretty late in the year. Okay. (laughs) Man, what a year. Well, it also doesn't help that there's so many games that came out in 2021 that were real releases of games that came out, even in 2020, you had so many definitive editions and remastered editions and reboots and PS5 versions. It almost felt like a repeat. Almost like if you felt deja vu, you're, you're not wrong. Like, look at me. I just screwed up your game. I thought it was a completely different game. <laughs> I'm, ashamed, I'm, ashamed, I'm ashamed of myself. But in my defense, if you look up Lost Worlds and Lost Worlds, they're both side-scrolling political games. So the, I, you know what? Fried Green Tomatoes had cannibalism. So <laughs> that's my out. That's what happened at Steel Magnolias? Oh, wait. <laughs> you know what's funny? In those, a lot of those movies you, you used to call chick flicks, there's so much death in those movies. There's more death like, than Saving Private Ryan. It's crazy. Okay, and so after Death Door, do we have any more? I know you said yes. Um, I have a few. I'm going to work through uh, the next two pretty quickly, though. Uh, Metroid Dread, uh, which showed up on a lot of people's lists. I felt like I was coming home. I'm a huge Metroid fan. Uh, been playing the Metroid games. Uh, when I was introduced to them by watching my mom play them on NES. Whoa. Uh, and just being amazed that, you know, she can actually play these. And I mean, she even had like a binder of like passwords and she was just, I mean, she beat, I haven't even beat Kid Icarus yet. And she used to regularly get through that one. Um, but, you know, since watching my mom play it, uh, got it into Super Metro. I didn't play Met- uh, Metro 2 until way later. But um, after playing Super Metroid, I was hooked. And the reason I mentioned Super Metroid specifically is because Metroid Dread feels like you're it's like you're coming back to Super Metroid, but with modern uh, graphics. Um, and it was amazing. Again, like it's been a drought of Metroid games and just being able to play Dread was it was like coming home. It was like a, you know, drink of water after years of no and it was the best Metroidvania of the year, which is great because, you know. You would hope so with that yes, right. with, with Metroid. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's actually on my list, too, and I'll save my comments for there. But you mentioned something about you, how you really love good gameplay mechanics and solid gameplay, like uh, way character controls. Yes. Uh, I would say, I don't know if you agree with me or you, Corey, but Metroid Brett bread sorry that's a different game metroid dread um may have the the best character control i've ever seen in a 2d game as far as like the feeling of like the solidity of the way you control the character and the way samus moves for it for a 2d game made out of polygons it's 
it's it's almost unparalleled as far as just movement of the character goes. Sorry, you just made me really hungry for Metroid bread now. <laughs> we can have that in Unmetal. Did you beat the game? I have not finished it. Um, this is one of those games that I came to uh, super late. I'm probably about halfway through it, so no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers. It ends. Uh, but Oh, man, that's too bad. Uh, but, I'll, but let me ask you a question. You mentioned you came to Metroid 2 later. Did you come to Metroid 2 on the Game Boy or did you come to Metroid 2 on the, the remake on the 3DS? I actually played that. Um, oh, man. It's not what it's called. I'm going to call it Metroid. Oh, no. The, the, it's the not. The, yes, the fan one. I actually played the, that yeah. one first. Then I played the Game Boy version. And then I played the Switch one. Or I'm sorry, the 3DS one. That was but, 3DS, uh, right? Yeah, 3DS. Same developer, okay. though. Uh, Mercury Steam? Yes. Who I believe, little nerd fact for you guys, if you didn't know this, Mercury Steam is the only developer who actually developed both namesakes in the Metroidvania genre, both Metroid and Castlevania. I didn't know that. Uh, which Castlevania did they work on? Uh, they did three, well, two and a half if you count the 3DS, 2D one. Uh, what was it called? Was it Lords of Shadow? The the 3D Castlevania games? There was Lords two of, of them. Yeah, Lords of Shadow 1 and 2. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, they did a 3DS spinoff. Uh, Mirror of Fate. Yeah, they, they basically lost all the money, and Nintendo says, you're pretty good. You want to come back to life? Here's some money. Make Metroid 2 Remake. And they're alive. So Did not know that. That is yeah, awesome. It's crazy. Yeah, Nintendo, they're they pretty much they're zombies. They take dead developers and bring them back to life. It's crazy. Hocus Pocus. Hocus yeah, Pocus. at least they're reanimating the good ones. Cause... <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when, the, when are they going to bring back the guys who made that Bionic Commando reboot back in the day? Nah, maybe not. Maybe not. One with the hot, one with the hot dogs? <laughs> hot uh, dogs? Yeah, his hair looked like hot dogs. It <laughs> had those fake dreadlocks. It looked like they. It looked like a pack of hot dogs. Now I can't unsee it. Thanks for that. Is that the one where the guy's wife was his arm? Hey, hey, we don't do spoilers in the Popzara podcast. That's- Oh, I, that, oh, I'm sorry. That's the only thing I remember about that. It, <laughs> it's, the only, it's the only thing worth remembering about that game. Oh, well, no. no. There is one thing. It's a cautionary tale. That's that era when Capcom was dead set on removing all their Japanese games away from Japanese developers. And they gave every major franchise they could to American and European developers. And it resulted in the worst things they've ever created, like bar none. Just terrible. They've all fixed the problem since then. But it was a bad time, unless you like hot dogs. <laughs> I got three more things left. One is – actually, let me double check. Um... Yes. One is my uh, last actual entry, and I have two honorable mentions. Um, and my last one isn't very surprising either. Um, it's It takes two. Um, played this with my wife. Loved it. And was absolutely astonished it won. Uh, it took it all at the Video Game Awards. Um, but I'm happy it did because it's probably one of the best. I love co-op games. I love um, all sorts of games where you can play cooperatively with your friends, like Left 4 Dead style games or, you know, obviously games like It Takes Two or um, A Way Out. And it's amazing. Like, I just I can't wait to see what um, Joseph Ferris um, and Hazelite. Who, who's the developer? Man, why is my brain? Um, yes, it is Hazelite. Wow. OK, I can't wait till they, you know, see what they come up with next, because It Takes Two is almost perfect. <laughs> It's it's one of those um, games that just, you know, it's just activity after activity that is just engaging, um, fun, and it, surprisingly low stress. Um. You did play with your wife, right? Yes. 
Okay. <laughs> so and, Yeah. And my wife and I play a lot of games together. And um, sometimes, you know, it's not an issue with some games. Um, I'm trying to think of one because uh, we play very well together. I think it was even in our vows, you know, like she's going to be my player too um, <laughs> forever. And some games <laughs> just don't work. And I thought I was hoping um, It Takes Two would work. And it's just absolutely amazing uh, magic because uh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like she's not, she's not a slouch. I mean, she soloed all the dark souls games, you know, she's a great game player, but there's still, um, you know, the, there's always the worry about, um, you know, different skill levels. And it feels like it takes two just somehow magically made it. So you could just play this with anybody almost. And I don't know how they did that, but it's just an, it's an amazing game. Um, the story's okay. It, it kind of fell off for me a little bit towards the end, but I, I like the message that it had. But um, you, you know, it's funny. Um, there's been a lot of these games lately that require multiplayer. I know EA. Bay, what was that game where you have to escape prison? It was made uh, by the same oh, people oh, who made it. It was made by the same people. Yep. Same people. So yep. they got a they got a genre going on here. Uh, you know, it's funny. You gave me some flashbacks, Intel, because when you said it takes two, I understood it was a game. But as you both know, the great, the late great Bob Saget just died. Oh, yeah. And uh, it reminded me he was on that wretched show, Full House. And they started making movies with those twins. Like they kept pumping these. Do you remember those? Are you old enough? They kept <laughs> yeah. pumping these things out. Yep. yep. And one of them was called It Takes Two. And That is true. I did remember that. And that is actually the first thing I thought of when this game was announced. <laughs> you saw that too. I was like, they made a game off that? <laughs> with the Olsen twins? But no. There have been numerous Olsen twin games, but I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Fried green tomatoes, please. So. <laughs> Okay, away from the That uh, actually happens and it takes two? <laughs> you know what? What was I missing? I had to go back and relive. No, I, I promise you there was no I had a baby sister at the time, so we had to watch all these things. Um no, there's no cannibalism in it takes two. But there was cannibalism in Full House, but we don't talk about that. It was the last episode. Yeah, it takes two. I haven't played it yet. I Corey, did you play this game? Um, I did not, though I did play and really enjoy their last game, A Way Out, which is the prison game you're talking about. So at some point, I'll have yeah. to check it out. Yeah, wasn't there, um, wasn't there another co-op game besides the prison one, though? Was there uh, another Unravel one I'm missing? Two? Which one? Unravel 2. Ah. I think, I'm not sure if Unravel had as much co-op specific, because yeah, that might have been like... I don't think it Tales was a co-op specific cards. game, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you had the you had the co-op <clears throat> helpful games like the Resident Evils and Unravels and all that, but no, I think... This was a game you'd have to play multiplayer. That's the big thing, right? Mm-hmm. You can't you can't get a CPU friend or buddy. So, but conveniently, if you buy the game, you can have somebody play with you for free. So yes, well, that's, which that's, is always nice, and that's what we you know took advantage of. Um, I think. I think. Yeah, well, it's. I'm just glad in your uh, when you got married, your marriage vows mentioned player two, and it didn't mention like unlimited resets. <laughs> so that would be a little weird. Infinite lives, baby. Yeah, I should have mentioned infinite lives. I really, really missed out. So um, we're saying, we're saying prenup. Um, two real quick honorable mentions from me: uh, Valheim, which only makes the honorable mentions because it's not actually out yet. But my God, I had my first LAN party since my wow. college years, or um, since my friends' college years. I guess my college years were way after my friends, but um. Uh, this year, playing Valheim, we all like spent a week in my living room uh, playing it, and it was magical. 
And I'm not sure. And I know that game made a lot of waves when it first came out uh, earlier this year. And I'm not sure um, how much of it was the fact that, you know, I got to spend a week, two weeks with my friends, basically being Vikings in a land party or um, just the fact that it's Viking Minecraft. Um, But no matter where that game ends up, I'm going to have magical memories from that. But um, another aside, too, is uh, my friend, one of my friends, the guy who actually got me into that, um, uh, the one who doesn't like playing stylized graphics, always has to be hyper realistic. Um, He's actually suggested Valheim. And I was making fun of him because he absolutely refused to play Minecraft back in the day, Uh, you know, back when everybody was playing it like 2009 or eight or whatever that was. Um, And, um, you know, he's the one who wanted to play Valheim. I'm like, man, this is just Minecraft. We could have been doing this 10 years ago. But uh, he likes his graphics. Yes. I mean, that's a big thing for people. And I I don't get it. But, uh, you know, I can't really knock it because if that's what you like. And the last one on my list um, uh, is a game that actually didn't come out this year, but it's been updated regularly um, and a new mode for it released this year, which we loved, uh, Vermintide 2 Chaos Wastes. And I have played so much Chaos Wastes. It's um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Vermintide game. Oh, God. Uh, yes. games. I mean, I, I, have a, I have a great Saltspire impression. Holy Sigma! Yes, it's pretty good. But Chaos Waste is absolutely the game we needed this year. Um, it's it's a it's a roguelike, and I know that's kind of overplayed. At least it's not a deck builder. But um, <laughs> it's a roguelike mode for Vermintide Two, and um, I love synergy in roguelikes. And Vermintide Two plus roguelike is like a perfect formula. You can get um, each level you play is, you know, randomized. Um, You get different um, like there's different enemy types per level. You can get different like bonuses for beating the levels. And in the levels themselves, as you collect coins, you can spend these coins on boons and uh, you can make some amazing synergy with this, Um, you know, builds that basically just kill bosses in seconds. It's so much fun and it feels like it's endlessly replayable, even though I think I played Chaos Waste for about 200 hours by itself this year wow at least probably more than that how, yeah we played I, it a lot how did i never hear about this because i used to love vermintide too and with something like this i would definitely play it again that's amazing yes chaos waste is so good and they they added um new characters if you love saltspire they just added the warrior priest um saltspire which he's basically like a heal bot um you know a, a team member takes like a massive amount of damage uh if you hit them with your shield within like three seconds or something like that it gives them all their health back because as long as he's like, up there screaming about sigmar i'm happy oh yes and he is extra sigmar screaming in this it's like zealot nice. armored zealot nice um with heals but yes absolutely love chaos waste and it's just it's been an addiction and i'm actually kind of sad because my friend is moving to germany so our chaos waste group has ended for the time being and um it'll be back yes just with time zone issues <laughs> you know what's funny um one question about this game because you what did the game come out in 2018 uh i think so Corey, yeah. you and i were talking about this because we do a monthly podcast where we talk about what's going on in the gaming world and a lot of it has to do centered around like npd and sales and everything and how the sales aren't always indicative of what's happening but um i think we're we're kind of in the middle of a new release schedule where the date of the game is sort of fluctuating because it gets so updated and dlc can transform the base game into something else 
or or you'll have games like Street Fighter what five or No Man's Sky that come out unfinished, like come out broken, and it takes years for them to repair into something playable. So, yeah, I would say if you if the game you played a lot was a game that technically came out a couple years ago, it's still a game that was one of your best games of the year. Yeah, and Chaos Waste um, such a different uh, experience from the base game. Um, because you know the base game, you run around permission, uh, mostly pick up grimoires and tomes. Which, as an aside, I hate that mechanic. There's nothing like that in Chaos Waste. It's all just you know, make yourself more powerful, kill enemies. Um, and they also have a mechanic where the bosses get certain um, affixes, which makes them incredibly powerful. Which I think they need to nerf a little bit because some of the combinations are just merciless. But yes, absolutely great. Um, Chaos Waste. Recommend anybody who. Um, has played Vermintide 2 in the past, and if you liked it, you will love Chaos Waste. According to the Steam page right here in a big banner right on the website, free update. So there you go. If you have the base game, it's free. Get it. Oh, yeah, best part, free. Yep. I kind of forget about that. See, there's um, for somebody who uh, most of the games they play <laughs> are through, um, you know, game keys, I kind of forget. Yeah. And that's it's a perspective I really try to keep is how much things cost. <laughs> Um, you know, the kind of the value you're getting out of it, but free is always the best. Well, like, Corey, you can relate when they send you when certain companies will send you certain game keys, they'll they'll be sure to sort of uh, spam it on you and say, this is the super duper legendary edition that would cost a normal person like two thousand dollars if they were to buy all the little trinkets. And, and let, every, let me tell you, I feel I feel terrible every time it happens. I'm not going to lie. Can I embarrass you? You got one code not too long ago, and you complained like it doesn't have all the characters. It's missing such and such. It's like it's got everything else. It's got everything else, and you're still complaining. Yeah, I'm still complaining. Look, if, if a- you want me to talk about your product, send me a complete product. <laughs> yes, right? And, like, you have to have that to review. But, no, yeah. for, like, something like a fighting game, though, because I got a fighting game that had DLC character packs, and I was missing, like, half the fighters. I'm uh-huh, like, how can which, I review this game? Does it, rem- does it <laughs> rhyme with Bam Woo Gantasy? Um, no, but <laughs> it does seem widespread. <laughs> well, here's the thing. That, let, let it be known. Uh, these are three editors telling you, if you're listening to this, the publishing world, if you want better coverage, send better codes. That's how it works. No, but it doesn't I'm mean the game's going to get a good review. Yeah. I mean, we, we still might slam it if the game's crap, but it'll be less crappy if there's more to play. No, I, that's an interesting selection. It's really nice to see your list was so different than Corey's, though, because, Corey, you you play a lot, and like you said, sometimes it's easier to forget something. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got a bunch of interesting stuff on yours, too. My list is not as extravagant or as cool or as hip or as hipstery as you guys. I'm more mainstream. I represent the average Joe, you know, the Frito-Lay original flavor to your spicy nacho cheese. In no particular order, I'm going to say the games that I really like this year, which are not many, that and I don't mean that as in there weren't many good games. My time was limited. so But I will save my best for last. So I will say this. Um, I think you guys have both played Resident Evil Village. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That game was fantastic. Or Village as an 8 or whatever mm. they tried to do. I don't know if they – is it officially 8 or do they just – It's officially it? Village. And um, this, this game, I think, gets a lot of unfair malignment because it was uh, categorized as a sadomasochist game because of the big tall woman with the Freddy Krueger claws, which she doesn't really – spoiler, she doesn't really factor in the game very much at all. And once you get past her, the game kind of opens up, becomes a lot more fun. Um, did you guys finish this game at all, both either? 
I um, have not. I actually, I never finished seven, so I never went on to village. So. Uh, well, well, the reason I bring it up is because the game, the last couple levels change it to almost like a first, like, I don't want to say first person, but it, it changes it into something that kind of hints at where Resident Evil could go as far as taking it outside of spooky mansions and spooky villages. Right. And and it, it does make you wonder where, Corey, agree with me or not, I think mm-hmm. besides Call of Duty, few gaming franchises, I think, have the potential to be as bat crap crazy as Resident Evil can and get away with it. You're absolutely right. I will say that, I mean, definitely RE5 to, a, to some extent and RE6 to a great extent, and I like both of these games. They maybe take it a bit too far, and that's why when Seven came out, it was such a shock, mm-hmm. like just yeah. right back to the roots, like that. Even though it was first person, it didn't matter. Like it, 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 it felt like a coming to home. Well, for the most part, except there, there was there were eyeballs coming out of shoulders, and there were freaks of nature trying to transcend humanity, but there were very few. Right. Very few freaks. Um, I like Resident Evil Eight quite a bit. I thought it looked outstanding. I thought I thought there, there there's definitely an achievement there graphically because we also saw the Resident Evil movie that came out last year. I don't know if anybody had to sit through that crap. Uh, nope. Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Capcom, but get your stuff together because there's no reason these two things should have been released in the same year. And I'm forgetting about the Netflix show because I didn't even watch it. But man, the movie! Whew. Watch it drunk, and you might enjoy it. I don't have it's, time to watch movies. I have too many games to play. You know what's really sad? The graphics on a low-end PC on Resident Evil Village looked better than the special effects in the movie that actually went to theaters. It didn't go to Netflix. It went to theaters. People, Somebody paid to see this crap in the theater. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, you might be surprised right now, but you're actually selling me on this a little bit. I might have actually, to Actually, you know what's funny about the whole thing? I kind of am because it's one of those movies I was talking to Corey because Corey hadn't seen it. That it's so bad, you kind of have to watch it and kind of go. If it's your rhythm, you might actually enjoy it. But the movie's not good. But neither was the room. Room was terrible. People like that. So, what do I know? I just like games. So, uh, okay, moving on from Resident Evil Village. Uh, this one's no brainer. Uh, Halo Infinite. And nobody mentioned this game before because this game, by all accounts, was not supposed to be good, according to the gaming press that maligned it. Uh, turned out to be pretty good. So I don't really know much else to say except for I wasn't expecting a lot. Um, and I think we talked about this when you were on the podcast last year. I felt so bad for Microsoft because you could buy Halo Infinite like Mountain Dew a year and a half ago when the game was supposed to come out. So if you've been saving your points, your ship has come in. And <laughs> did you? I know, Corey, you played it. Have you played the campaign at all? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, all you multiplayer people, ruin it for us campaigners. I'll say this. I like the game quite a bit. I don't think there's a shred of originality in this game, which is why I like it. Because unlike uh, unlike Halo 4 and 5, which I thought were mediocre, I thought 5 was the worst game in the entire series. Uh, Actually, you game... know what? You know what? Let me revise my previous answer. I say no. What I mean is I haven't played a huge amount of it. And what I did play, yeah. um, kind of a weird Breath of the Wild open world sort of thing go- it's got going on, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. And this is a little revealing, so I don't. I got to be careful because I don't want to step on anybody's toes. It's one of those games you can kind of tell that the reviewers didn't actually play the game when you read the review because the re- and and this is no disrespect, is it's open world up to a point and then it stops being open world. And my theory is that they had a whole Halo game ready to go. You know, the traditional go through the corridor, set you know, kill the grunt, sure. you know, do this jump, and then there's this open world thing. It feels tacked on. It feels 
good tacked on. It's not really open world. But once you get out of the open world, you never return to it. So you have to go and you have to do your levels up, and then you eventually get to this part, and you never kind of return to it. So there's never another open world segment. No, like, not, not even a little bit. Because, I mean, it, like, games like uh, Uncharted 4 kind of did that, you know, like, opens up and then you can do stuff. And um, that seems to be kind of a trend, but um, it's, it's never again. It's kind of it's, – well, it's a better version of that than, like, Gears of War 5, which was complete, basically just a glorified hub. But this is like this is an open world in in the sense that you can plot where you want to go. You can do missions out of order. You can do things as you were. Um, Corey, you and I talked about this. I actually think it was closer to Cracktown than anything else. Yeah. And yeah. No, I definitely got that yeah, sense as well. If you consider Crackdown open world, then yeah, Halo's open world in the, in the sense you can plot it on a map and go where you want. But as far as like a living, breathing world, no, it's pretty much one location. It's Halo. It's the, you know, the, like the first level of the original game, but the game looks good. It plays good. It doesn't do any, everyone will say the grappling hook. Other games have done the grappling hook. We've done grappling hook since Ocarina of Time. Uh, it's fun though. It's a lot of fun while it lasts and it doesn't last very long, which is the best part about it because damn, they just said Dying Light 2 is going to be 500 hours. No, you can get a college degree in 500 hours. <laughs> I think that's they were saying um, you could beat the campaign in like 20, but yeah, 500 hours, that's a little much. 500 hours, like no, no, no. Anyway, but I'm going to play it. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes. Another one that nobody mentioned, in fact, I don't think anybody mentioned this on any Game of the Year awards on any website, but I'm going to give it some credit because I really like this game. Oddworld Soulstorm. I don't understand why people hated this. I don't get it. Um, I don't know. Was the game that broken when it came out? It Is was. That it? it was a little broken. I definitely wouldn't say I hated it, but it definitely could have used some more time in the oven. But they did. They fixed it. They did. They came out yeah, with, it, they it's came worth playing now for sure. I will say this. Um, you remember you mentioned Tim Schafer, Antel, and you like that sort of that weird sense of humor it has. Yes. This is like a game with that sense of humor that's not funny. <laughs> like <it's, laughs> it, no. it looks cute and disarming, but then you realize the main character's mouth is stitched shut he's a slave and like fried green tomatoes cannibalism plays a big role and but if you've been playing this series since what the playstation one days then you kind of know all this i liked having a return to the 2d i liked having punishing difficulty um i liked a game that that looks cute but it's vicious and for the most part you don't really get that a lot from video games that much anymore and it looked really good like i think it's one of the best looking games of the year by far now maybe not when it came out but yeah if you don't agree with me then no cannibals so uh, <laughs> my um my wife played um soul storm a lot even on release and um she uh loved it like it was like a she loved the original when it came out and um it seemed like a return to form um i didn't even realize there were any issues on launch i uh, it's well cory and i kind of have this running gag intel where we basically mock a lot of gaming journalists who over exaggerate a lot <laughs> like oh it's the end of the world ah, i didn't get this it's i mean a game if a game's broken that's one thing you get that like you're entitled to something that works but i don't remember experiencing that many issues either but you know when you play you primarily play a game on a pc you have to take that into account that your pc may not be everybody else's pc and that's why a lot of benchmarks are kind of worthless to me as a as a, as a consumer because Corey, you have what you have an rtx card right I do. I have an RTX 2080 and a 2070 Super. Yeah, and I do not. <laughs> so uh, you, you should RTX get one. Card. Well, I uh, good luck you, with that. Not, 
Well, I will search the gas stations, <laughs> and if you get your supplier who gave you your PS5, I'll consider it. Um, <laughs> I have two kidneys. I don't need both. But I'll say this. Uh, but my, I have, I think I have a G, I have a 1060, which is ancient, which I guess is pretty good. The game looks fantastic. Halo looks fantastic. Like that's another thing. Games that can look good on older hardware. Like I don't need an Xbox Series X to play Halo Infinite. You don't even need a, a computer. You can play it on a browser if you have uh, cloud streaming. Works good on there too. Um, Oddworld Soulstorm, not for everybody. It's very punishing. Um, but if you're into that sort of thing, yeah, go for it. Uh, I, I don't got very money more, have any more. Uh, I'm going to repeat one of you did, Antel. Metroid Dread may be my favorite game of the year. I don't know yet. <laughs> and the reason I say that, it's because it's the same problem I have with my eventual game of the year. It's a fantastic Metroid game. It's return to form. It looks fantastic. It sounds awesome. It's not Metroid Prime 4, which a lot of people wanted. But I would suspect that more people probably want this game than Metroid Prime 4, like the consumer. Um, the Metroid Prime games have never sold that well, despite being awesome and some of my favorites. But did you know that this game is actually, the? I think it's the best-selling Metroid game already. Nintendo put a lot of time into marketing it, which they've never done with a Metroid game before. You're saying it, you're saying it uh, sold better than Federation Force? Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, What's really sad, I don't know if you guys remember this, but when the GameCube and the original Xbox came out, ironically, 20 years ago, you know, happy birthday, Nintendo actually was foolish to position, like, a year later, Metroid Prime against Halo. And that killed it. And I think that's the problem, is that they are not anything like each other. They are completely different games in every way, shape, and form. But I think Metroid Dread has the benefit of 20 years of indie games behind it that people kind of, kind of want this, like that Dead Cell-type gameplay that Shadow Knight type of thing. And now it's not so strange that you'd go scourging back and forth and replay. It's kind of wanted. People want it. And let's Wait. be honest, compared to Dead Soul, Dark Souls, this game's easy. So <laughs> think of the, um, the, I guess the competition that they, or like the, the bar that they had to meet for all these indie titles, all these indie Metroidvanias mm-hmm. and Metroid Dread. Um, I guess I can't say they blew them <laughs> away, but they met, and exceeded my expectations. Well, it also helps that Nintendo quashed a lot of those games. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they literally went after the the bootleggers and everything. Like now you're not going to do that. We're going to do this. We got oh, this. Yeah. We'll make what our own. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, um, Corey brought this up before, and I also think that we have to say this: this game looks awesome on the Switch. Um, Corey, I did get a Switch OLED, like you told me to get. Mm-hmm. I obeyed. Um, it looks great. It's absolutely <laughs> worth it, wasn't it? It was worth it, but I still play on a big screen. But on mm. the small screen, it looks great, too. Um, yeah. This game's a masterpiece, like visually and audibly. Um, I don't know if it's the best Metroid game. I still think that might be Super Metroid, but that could just mean nostalgia talking. But this game proves that you can still have a 2D Metroid game in 2021, and people will still play it and they'll still love it. And that's good. Mission accomplished. Yep. Maybe we'll finally get that Metroid movie. Maybe I'll finally get Federation Force 2. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe no. Maybe no. (laughs) Isn't it so weird that a lot of Nintendo games are considered some of the best games ever made, but also some of the worst? Like all those CDI Zelda games, all those masterpieces. Oh, yeah. That looked like they were drawn with crayons. I will say this, my honorable mention before I get to my best game of the year. um, I got to tell you, Corey, you laughed at me when I told you this. I played through Dying Light on the switch it's so good they did such yeah. a good job you played it too okay see nobody yes. talked about really? this yeah they did it and it runs great and it looks uh-huh. great okay it looks fuzzy but that's okay 
What do you think, though? Do you think it's a do you think it's a better technical accomplishment than Doom Eternal on the Switch? Oh man, I don't know. I would have to say they're pretty on par. Um, Doom Eternal almost feels a little bit smoother, but it's just the fact that Dying Light and they even had the particle effects. You know the the flying stuff that go through. I'm like, what? How can you keep that? Everywhere and I it, look, all the reviews say the same thing you guys are saying. That's yeah. Wow, it's pretty. It's pretty incredible. Um, and I, I thought I'd be done with the campaign, but no. If you buy it on the Switch, you get all the DLC. <laughs> you get all the crossover thing. stuff. Yep. And I played so much Dying Light too. And when I got the Switch for review, uh, the Switch copy for review, there's so much more I hadn't even seen yeah, yet. And I was it never like, ends. It never yeah. ends. And there's all that Left for Dead stuff on there too. And um, you know what's funny though is that you kind of have to play it on a big screen, but I'll say this though. I'm, here's my point. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on dying light, but you guys have probably all played the original. You have your opinions. Um, it is a technical achievement on the switch, but you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of why I like playing games on the switch that aren't supposed to happen. Cause I am older than you guys. And I remember I grew up with the arcades. So you go to the arcade, you see these awesome games and then you go home and play a crap version on NES. You, you <laughs> play such a compromised, like double dragon on the NES is not the same, but it was good enough. Cause that's all you had. Turtles and 2 on NES. Turtles 2. Oh, my. We, uh, the arcade game, right? Yep, yep. Literally literally called Turtles 2 the arcade game because they had to differentiate. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but, no, you play these stuff, and you're happy that you got it. You're happy that it's close. And then as you get more, you know, you look at Street Fighter 2 on the Super Nintendo arcade. It's not close, but it's close enough. Golden Axe, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then and then something happened, and now you and now everybody expects perfection. And everybody expects perfection. Like if the frames aren't right, Digital Foundry will will catch it and they will make you hate yourself as much as they hate themselves. And so, which they do by they clearly hate themselves. But then you play something like the Switch, and what it does, or I don't know if it reminds you, Anto, it reminds me, like this isn't supposed to happen. Like the Switch is not supposed to play, you know, Doom. It's not supposed yeah. to. I had that exact feeling when I played <laughs> Strife on the Switch. That game, like that 1995. I saw that. I saw I, that I could, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't believe it was running on the Switch, and I'm like, okay, dummy, like this is, so, of course, this is running on the Switch. But I still had that feeling. But yeah, I absolutely know what you mean. Exactly, right, was... man. That's that's a classic. It's it's a great game. If yeah, you want know, to suffer its age, but I'm sorry. But you know what's funny though? Um, this is the same year we had Grand Theft Auto Definitive Edition. You know, of the ports of PS2 games that run like ass on everything, and you realize it comes down to programming, and a good programmer, good good developers can make this happen. Okay, the Switch has limits, let's be honest. It doesn't look as good as the PC or P, you know, it doesn't look as good as the PS4 version. It doesn't look as good. But it doesn't look bad, and it's completely playable, and all the content's there, and it's really not compromised. And I don't know about you, but I played it, and I forgot I was playing the Switch after a while. And I was getting into it. I didn't feel like I was playing a compromised version. I was having fun again. You know, jumping over a zombie's head, slashing, smashing, and it runs really well. Game only crashed once. I can't say that about most triple-a games they crash all the time they sh- they show up they're not even ready to go you got to get patches but no it, it runs and what really disappoints me about it is that dying light 2 is coming to the switch you heard about this it's uh it's a cloud version oh yeah that's, that's disappointing bad. yeah i'm not gonna play it <laughs> like but it's like it's fun to see developers be good again and it's just fun it's it wouldn't be my first version but I, pl- I played it. I beat it. I, w- I was surprised that I beat. It. I thought oh, I'll just play a little bit. No, I ended up beating the whole thing. I'm on the di- I'm on the the following right now actually. <laughs> so yeah, I'm having fun with it. Um, but anyway, my best my favorite game of the year is not the best game of the year, and none of you guys mentioned this. Uh, nobody mentioned it. It made no top twenty lists. 
my favorite game of 2021 was Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection. Yeah, I saw that on your list, yep. and I thought it was funny because you were smack talking Capcom so much. But I also thought it was funny old because Capcom, old Capcom. I, yes. <laughs> Can I be honest? Um, I, I, let me name drop. Crispin, what's his name? Uh, Crispin something. That Capcom. He he used to be an editor at Next Generation. You know that snobby magazine years ago yep. where you had to be a snob. And he, he used to write this column called The Way Games Ought to Be. And he would talk about how games should be, should be. And when they finally gave him Capcom, he ran into the ground. So, sorry. <laughs> Nobody wants your games. So, But uh, what do you think? Did anybody play Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection besides me? I, I think I beat the first level once. It's hard. It's, it's incredibly hard. Just It's wow. harder than Dark Souls. It's yes, harder than Dark Souls. Easily. <laughs> Not even a question. Anton, did you play this? Did you review this at all? No, I didn't know it was a thing. I completely missed this. Um, or if I saw it, you know, it was just a, in a, you know, a pile of emails, but I'm definitely going to play it now. <laughs> well, don't let me pump it up too much, but I will say this, though. It was, uh, they actually had the original creator come back. Like the original guy, I forget his name. Let me let me get his name for you. I think it's, uh, I'm looking up on Wikipedia. I think it's Takoro Fujiwa. They had the original guy come back, and what he did is he just updated the engine. And on one hand, it looks like Flash, but it's not Flash. And Corey, I don't know, did you which version did you play, the Switch or the PC version? Um, when I played Ghosts and Goblins, I played on the Switch. Okay, probably not as clean as the PC version, but same thing. Uh, the game is exactly like Dark Souls, where you repeat, you repeat. There's It's much more generous than the original games, which were no, like, let's just be honest. Before Dark Souls, when people talked about hard games, they said Ghost and Goblins because it was hard. And as it's, soon as you beat it, you know, you. <laughs> again, this is not just me, like me and Nate, like claiming this. No, this is absurd. No, yeah. And after you beat one of the hardest games ever made, you had to do it all over again. With no weapons. That was the joke. Yeah, that was the joke. And <laughs> this game revels in this. And I think the problem is, is that you get older and you, you don't have time for hard games sometimes that are nonsense. But then every once in a while you, you realize you play a hard game that's fair, like Dark Souls. And you learn it, and you don't give up. And you realize the game is unfair, but that's kind of what makes it fair. And I love the fact that I'm playing a new 2D game that feels more like any I, I've ever played in my life, like a proper update to an old game. It's not 3D, not really. It's still 2D. It's beautiful. The game looks outstanding. The game, the music is outstanding. The gameplay is outstanding. It, 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 maybe it feels like you're running in mud, but you get used to it. I never expected to like this game as much as I did. I, had, I did not anticipate it. I didn't look forward to it. Once I played it, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And yeah, I'll still be playing it next year. It's not like like Oddworld, you know, like like Dying Light. I guess it's not for everybody. But I will say this: my final game on the list is my worst game of 2021. And that is a game that makes me cry. And that is Castlevania Grimoire of Souls on Apple Arcade. Now, I want to challenge you on this. You don't you like will the... You will probably win, but you'll be wrong. I want to I challenge you on this. Um, Grimoire of Souls, if I'm correct about this, is the mobile spinoff of Castlevania, correct? Let me double check because I want to say... Da, 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 give me one second here. Da, da, da. Okay, it's... Uh, yes, this is the game that was supposed to be for Android, I believe, years right, ago. Right. Apple rescued it from Konami. Let's be honest, Konami's seen better days. Hmm. And, and what do we all hate about mobile games? Uh, mobile monetization? Game. Monetization. Yeah. And what can you do 
to fix a mobile game that might be bad? What if you just stripped out all the monetization? Oh, yeah, that works. <laughs> well, you, you stripped out all the monetization, but you didn't strip out any of the monetization functionality. Yes, and, and so and it's only sort of challenging you. Yeah, so the problem is, the worst part about this game is, despite all its problems, when you actually play the damn game, it's not bad. But getting to that point requires so much tedium and so much better. You could be Simon Belmont. You could be all the characters, and they look pretty good. I mean, it's, I'm not a big fan of the, two, of the 3D, but it looks not bad. But getting to that point, and I thought to myself, here we are in 2021. If this was the first Castlevania game, Castlevania would have never been a franchise. And that's kind of how I think about these things. Because, you know, Antal, Corey, you think about the original Castlevania game on the NES. Not NES, but let's be fair. It's probably the first time you played it. It still holds up. still looks good. Still that game's plays also good still so really hard. hard for the record. Yeah, it's still really hard, but it doesn't care because you beat Medusa and you feel good. And this game, everything, all the traits that I can't stand, like you said about mobile games, but I can't complain because I'm not paying anything to play it. If you have a arcade, you're not paying anything, but you're paying your time, and your time is more valuable than what Castlevania offers you for fun. And that's really sad. And it's really sad. The music is awesome. The music is Castlevania music. There's more Castlevania music in this app than there is in the Castlevania show on Netflix. That's sad, but that's it. That's my worst game. If there are worse games, but not that I anticipated. So, Castlevania Grimoire of Souls makes me feel grim. Pegged our editors, Antel, and I don't really have time to go on like you did. I pegged our editors. I'm just going to run through a couple games that they really, really liked. Uh, Corey, you probably know these games better than I do. Indeed. I'll go ahead and talk about them, in fact. Okay, uh, our own Sebastian Stoddard, who has done a remarkably good job. Thank you, Sebastian, yep. on the website this year in his debut. He did very well. I did some interesting games. Sebastian, his game, yeah. Hmm? So, uh, yeah, Sebastian's done great work. It's really impressive. Yeah, he couldn't be here today because he's really busy, but he, uh, he did compile this for us. And in order, his favorite game, I don't know if you see his list, his favorite game of 2021 was Arcadia Fallen. Now, I haven't actually played Arcadia Fallen. Um, Sebastian, you know, I like visual novels just fine, but there was a period when we were getting, like, I would say two or three in every week, and I just did not have the capacity to play and write about them all. So um, one of the things I've been really thankful for Sebastian is that he is able to take a lot of these and write them up for me. And apparently uh, with Arcadia Fallen, he found something of a hidden gem. I need yeah. a Sebastian. <laughs> you want to? You want to Sebastian? It was fun. You're moving on. No, uh, Sebastian is a literary gamer. Like he loves stories. He loves story times. And I'll, I'll just come on and say it, he he loves games that feature inclusion themes. And the good thing about Sebastian is that the inclusion theme isn't enough to make him gloat about it. It's just butter on the cake. And so and that butter being said, on the cake. You butter your butter cake? cake. I'm trying. You don't? I'm trying. <laughs> You know what? I'll just say this. It's really hard making up new phrases. It's tough. Uh, moving on, another game he really liked was Olija. Have you heard about this? Olija. So, Olija. yeah, no, this is a – it's fascinating, actually. It's kind of um, – you're, you're like a sailor, a sailor-slash-explorer, and you have, uh, you have a magic harpoon that you can throw and teleport to like the guy in Final Fantasy XV does. And uh, this is used for all manner of crazy platforming and really interesting, really solid-feeling combat. It is way better than I thought it was going to be looking at screenshots. Well, and that's what we'll get into before we head out. We'll just take a look at the list, and you guys can point out any extras before we head out. Um, another one on his list was Samir. Or Samir? 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 Uh, Samir. Samir. See, I, 
get it wrong five times. Didn't play so, it. Didn't play it, but you know how to pronounce it. I, I'm cool like that. I, I have trouble <laughs> pronouncing it. I don't even know how to pronounce your name, Corey, and I've known you for, what, 10 years? Yeah, a little uh, while. Antel, any any familiarity with Samir Samir? No, I'm literally googling it right now. To yeah, I, I'm gonna look <laughs> try it up to too, to see if I if I'm familiar with it even a little. <laughs> That's why we have these lists. Oh, so you know, I, think um, of, I mean, it's really pretty. I love being on shows like this because um, there's so much more knowledge out there that I don't know. I just always make a like um, you know like make a bunch of notes and go back and play the games that sound awesome and. I love that. It's like a cheat sheet. <laughs> it, we are cheat sheets. You are. It's not plagiarism. It's borrowing. Yes. Uh, here's another game that that he really really loved. That Corey, I know you love this game too, but we didn't mention it was Monster Hunter Rise. Yeah. So with Monster Hunter Rise, um, it was a solid game on the Switch last year, and I really enjoyed it. But uh, my real excitement for Monster Hunter Rise actually happened today when the PC version came out. That's right. It's uh, talk about timing. Yep. Was did. Now, did one of these games come out on the App Store as well, like uh, Apple Arcade as well? Was um, it Rise, or was it something else? So Monster Hunter uh, Stories, which is the RPG, stories. that came out stories. on the App Store. Yeah, and Stories, to be fair, Stories 2 came out on the Switch. Right, right the Switch and PC. And PC. So yeah. I have no idea what's going on with this franchise anymore. But no, I'm a big fan of it. I know we tried to get you guys playing, but every time we guys get you the same games, you're on different platforms. Yeah, it's rough. If Sebastian were to ever pick, a, pick this up on PC somehow, I would play the hell out of it with them because I love Monster Hunter Rise. It's really solid. And having played a little bit of the PC version before our podcast today, it runs like a dream. Like it's everything you would want out of a Switch Pro version, I guess you could say. Corey and uh, Sebastian are like the tomato tomato of Popstar. Are they yeah, fried are always, green tomato always on the same? Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know what? That's that's a theme now. That's a, that's a meme. Uh, let's see. I think that's it for Sebastian. He didn't really have a lot. I think he had some worse ones, but I don't even know where they're at. Uh, our own Chris Mitchell, who produces this uh, podcast. Oh, his again. worst are Sebastian's what? worst are down here. Uh, childhood friends, which is one of those. Uh, it was lost. It was lost. No, it's it's down here. It's right beneath Chris's stuff. Um, oh, okay. Anyway, um, childhood friends, which is another visual novel. It's one. It's a very straightforward kind of uh, go to horny jail sort of thing. It. I, I saw it and I wasn't interested. I'm glad Sebastian took that hit for me. And uh, Bloody Rally Show, which I have never heard of. Let me look that up right now. Well, the name like Bloody Rally Show, it's got to be great. Oh, my um, God. For his, his comment on childhood friends, playing this game broke me. That's yeah, funny. exactly. <laughs> Man. Bloody Rally Show looks like a – what was that old NES game with the off-road cars? And there was an old NES game, and you drove off-road cars around a top-down racing track. And Oh, my God. It's like that – Rally? Yeah, know well, you, you know who made that game? It, it was – what was no, the guy's Rare name? Rare made that game. Rare – R.C. Poet. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, was that's the one. I think it is. I'm, yeah. I, yes, that's, that's it. Yep. Yeah, and, and Bloody Rally Show looks like yes. that, but bad. You know what's funny? Do you guys remember you remember when the Wii was really popular and everybody was dumping shovelware on it left and right? Yes. And you would get games where they didn't even bother giving it a name, like Jeep Thrills and all that. And it's just they just put out like – they might as well call it Car Game. Like they just garbage. On the just other hand – if I ever make a porno about Jeeps, it's going to be called Jeep Thrills. So thank you for that. Well, just saves. Uh, that's what IP is all about. You can reuse it. Exactly. Uh, so, I actually think those were Chris's worst. No, no, these are Sebastian's no, worst. Chris's worst. We'll get to that. Okay, it's really bad because it's hard to tell bad from bad. Chris Mitchell's uh, favorites echo a lot of what you guys said, although differently. Yeah. Uh, he loved Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. 
Uh, he liked Tales of Arise, but let's be honest, he likes those type of games. Well, I mean, um, I, I, I never said I didn't like it. I said it could have been better. He also mentions a game that I liked a lot that I probably yeah. should have mentioned, actually. Um, I really like Scarlet Nexus, which um, is kind of this Devil May Cry slash action RPG hybrid from Bandai Namco. Um, yeah. It's rock solid, and it's on Game Pass now. Yeah, I've had that installed on my computer for months. I just haven't got into it yet. Very much worth your time. It was a surprise hit, too, by the way. A lot of these, people forget, for a long time, Japanese-developed games like this were not successful. They've come back. Thank you, anime. That's all i got to say. One game that he's got here that I didn't play, or even think about, really, Hot Wheels Unleashed. It's so good. Okay, it's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, but it's better than you thought. Like, that's the yes. thing. Like, nobody thought it was going to be What is this good. even? What, what's the song? Hot Wheels Unleashed. It's on everything, yeah. right? Yeah, I played uh, on PlayStation 5. Oh, yeah. Um, no, it's, it's on everything. everything. Yeah, straight up. Yeah. Huh. People, people like this. It came out of nowhere. And you know what I think? It's because I think people want Micro Machines back. Like, the old Micro Machines games, uh, which are also top-down, but they kind of disappeared. These screenshots really do it justice. Look at this. Beautiful. Hot Wheels. Go yeah. figure. Who would have thought? Like Hot Wheels. We all like Hot Wheels, though. I think we all had Hot Wheels as kids, didn't we? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, certainly. You could still buy them, like a dollar. Yeah, uh, they are still a thing. There's a huge collector's market. I think I'm on, like, a subreddit where people obsess over it. I don't even collect <laughs> them. I don't know why I'm on it, but yeah. <laughs> it's because you're addicted. It's an, addi- it's an addiction. I think uh, I have FOMO about everything. <laughs> so I just need to be there. That's you have good. five hundred Funko uh, Funko Pops. Actually, I have a few of them, but no, I do not. I do not. God, a few just... as in 300? <laughs> oh, no. I'm just over but here I do looking. have a ton of Amiibo. I really went all in on the Amiibo. I did thing. too. I have, yeah, I have loads of them. Well, the Amiibos are, are great, and they outlasted all the other game toys. Like, Which is we- It's so strange how the game toy thing just vanished. It's because it was a fad. <laughs> I, I guess I mean, I'm over here like they're sending me the new Skylanders every month. And I'm like, yo, you guys are the best. I love this. And now I've got this Ziploc bag the size of like my entire body full of Skylanders in a drawer somewhere. Because, because they did Man. Skylanders and they did Disney and they did all the other ones. And people got overloaded on that stuff. Just when much. those things were dying, though, I was like the most popular uncle for getting all my <laughs> nephews. Those were like a dollar a piece. But, yeah, fun, yeah. If anything, it's like the games are legitimately good. I'm, I'm probably the only person who will ever say it. The games well, are pretty good. What about that one that failed, the space one that had Star Fox on it? Uh, Starlink. Starlink, yeah. They, they, but it came with uh, the R-Wing. If yeah, it did. The, if you the, was it the Switch? It was or on the Switch it? version, yeah. Switch, yeah. Going back to Chris's worst, though, and this one Man, was interesting. I'm, oh, I'm just feeling like just a uh, pit of my stomach we're, looking at this. We're, we're almost home. We're almost um, home. You can, you can hold it. Uh, all right, so here we go. Werewolf uh, the Apocalypse. Earthblood. Werewolf the Apocalypse so Earthblood. Yeah, Um. so imagine... Okay, okay. the best way to put it, you guys existed in the 2000s, and I'm sure you played a lot of, like, cheap PS2 games. You probably rented it from Blockbuster. And I feel like if I went and I rented Werewolf the Apocalypse Earthblood from Blockbuster in 2005, and I played it for a weekend and promptly forgot about it, that would have been fine. We don't exist in that world anymore. This game is horrible. (laughs) You would have been out, you would have been out, like, four bucks. Yeah. When it, you when you said earlier, uh, Corey, that there was, you know, games aren't bad, they could just be better. I think this one proves you wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, this game is actually legitimately really bad. Yeah. It's 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 meant to be this like a uh, eco-friendly tale of a a werewolf slash shaman slash guy and he's battling this evil corporation who's Okay, get this. The the plot is basically that you're battling Enron. Oh wow. Well, what yep. kid doesn't like that? Yeah, exactly. Like, 
Enron. Like that's another thing that like plants it firmly in the two thousands. Who the hell cares about Enron? Why can't it be Elizabeth Holmes? You know, <laughs> update it. <laughs> and God, it's just it's um, so awful. There's stealth. It's bad. There's combat. This, it's bad. Look, to be fair, our producer Christmas Mitchell's avatar is a werewolf who watches movies. So, yeah, like so, if, if anybody likes werewolves, it's Chris. And the, like, I, I, I can feel this. his pain here. Is this game related to Vampire the Masquerade? It yes, is. It's the whole, yeah. Um, it's Werewolf the Apocalypse, Vampire the Masquerade, and man, there was another one or two. I can't remember. Hunter the Reckoning, yeah. which, by the way, there was a few old school like GameCube, PS2, Hunter the Reckoning. I don't know if you played those, but that's yeah, the same Yeah, they play a little bit like Gauntlet, and they were, they were all right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, his other game I haven't heard of, Skatebird. Oh my skateboard. god! Wait, yeah, I have heard of skateboards. Also this, on Game Pass. This yeah, game, I had such a history with because I we go to well be pre-COVID. Um, you know we're Chicago local. Third Coast Review is um, that's thirdcoastreview.com. No, I'm, just I'm sorry, um, but <laughs> you can you can you can blurb it. I don't care. <laughs> but um, we're uh, Chicago local, and skateboard would show up at a lot of our because we used to cover. Um, you know, actual in-person events where people would, mm-hmm. you know, local developers would show off their game. And I'm, Skatebird isn't local, but they would be at a lot of the local events. And I followed that game for years, and I was so excited for it. But somehow the version that actually got released seemed worse than the ones that were being exhibited at the... I don't know if it was just like the, you know, because you're like at a, um, you know, like an event and things are more exciting. But um, when I actually got a hold of it, I was very disappointed. That actually makes my list for one of the worst games this year, too. So I haven't actually is it just what like Tony Hawk, but you're a bird? Like, yep, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, that's it. You and just did the pitch meeting. To- Tony yeah. Hawk, but you're a hawk. I mean, I, you know, that, that sounds like it could be fine. That's why they really lean on it. And um, they have. Uh, it's kind of cool because like you're a bird, you can't fly, but you can flap your wings. So there's a little bit of like a, a hover you can do, which makes the tricks a little bit different than a conventional skating game, I'd say. But it was so bad. It's the worst skating game I've ever played. And, um, <laughs> Came out in the same time frame as the new uh, the release of Tony Hawk. Man. So and, yeah. and like you can say that this is the worst skating game you've ever played in a world where Tony Hawk Ride exists. That's scary. Oh, yeah. So well, I haven't played Tony Hawk Ride. Oh so well, <laughs> my skating game knowledge isn't comprehensive. Also, but, uh, to, to step back a little bit, sorry, I got a segue real quick. You, you guys are Chicago local, obviously. Third Coast Review. Why is why is Chicago deep dish pizza so good? What's the magic? Um, honestly, Chicago deep dish pizza is something that you eat occasionally. I can't even remember the last time I had a deep dish pizza. Um, special occasion kind of thing, then. Yeah, I mean, like we just eat pizza. I like the, there's like there's like a specific like Chicago. I can't like saying Chicago style invokes deep dish immediately. There's like a Chicago style like hand toss slash um, like almost like a thin crust that you can't really get most other places. Right. Um, but deep dish is its own beast. People are like, oh, it's a you know, it's like a tomato soup and bread. But it's not really that. It's it's not. I guess people calling it a casserole. I guess it is kind of like that. But it's it's very pizza. It's very it's like an experience. It's like eating um, if you like sauce on pizza, I guess uh, you can go that way. I'm totally not repping this in a good way it's, it's <laughs> i'm over here like why is this stuff so good and you're like yeah it's actually kind of mediocre and yeah better it's okay i don't know they have better pizza than um straight up chicago style but there is a um the best deep dish pizza i ever had and it was phenomenal uh was in a place that i'm pretty sure was a front for a um old school um gang organization can't remember what the restaurant's called 
um, just south of Chicago. So not in the city itself. And it was the best deep dish pizza I ever had. So there is pretty good deep dish out there. But most of the time we just eat, you know, normal pizza, kind of like a hand style. I've learned something today and it wasn't <laughs> something I wanted to know. Well, I mean, like when we order from like Pizza Hut around here, they don't show up with like, like a deep dish. Like this is just what pizza is here. But it's funny though. <laughs> people talk about um, Chicago style hot dogs, and um, it's they don't really they are they do call them Chicago style here, but that's kind of just they're just kind of hot dogs with everything on them here. Because if you say just I want a hot dog, it's just you know. You guys, yeah. you have Wiener Schnitzel in Chicago. Um, yeah, of course we do. We have you a do? huge. Um, uh, well, I wouldn't say because uh, I mean you have uh, Nathan's, right? Like not not to brag myself, but like do you have Nathan's hot dogs out there? Or just like there are a lot of parts of the country that don't have hot dog places. They have to buy hot dogs by the packs at the grocery store. They don't understand what it's like to have a fourteen-inch hot dog sticking out of a six-inch bun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's actually kind of all the time. <laughs> Uh, you can go around and not actually have diners and like an actual because um, that was a phenomenon I discovered when I moved away from the area that uh, food is very different across the country. You just can't That's get it. True. Get great diner food, but we have very gotten off topic here. <laughs> Look, honestly, anything that's keep talking about Skatebird. This is what happens. That breaks (laughs) my heart. Skatebird breaks my heart because I wanted to love that game so much. And I I think I was actually pretty generous in my review of it because um, I didn't want it to be uh, what it ended up being. Yeah. You know what's really funny? Um, You had two games come out within two years that had basically the same concept of crazy. You had Skatebird, which is matching birds with skateboards. Then you had Fight Crab, which was the crab fighting game. So I'm in... I'm in the Discord for the company that promotes Fight Crab, and I've never seen so much enthusiasm for such a weird game. <laughs> they they love Fight Crab. Fight Crab was a good game, and it took its crazy, bat crazy, I don't even know how to say it, it took this bizarre concept and it did something decent with it. And that's what video games should be. Like, Anton, I'm with you. It's like, birds and skateboards kind of go well together in video games. Everything goes to in video games. So to see the concept fall is pretty sad. And I'm just over here like eyeing Unmetal on Steam. Like, I could probably get this. Well, um, I learned, uh, I gave a bad review to a game. Uh, Well, I felt like it was a very good review, but it was was critical of the game. And um, I always want to iterate um, that, you know, I don't like giving bad reviews. I always want to enjoy the game I'm playing. Like, who doesn't want to enjoy the game they're playing? I don't go out there to try to, like, find what's bad. Yeah. I go out there to talk about what's good and, you know, like, end up talking about what... I didn't like too, but um, I, you know, it was one of the games that um, it was a bad comparison because I talked about shooters and I, I invoked Doom Eternal in a in an RPG first person game, but it was also a shooter. Um, but it was a very bad shooter, you know. And if that's what your main mechanic is, um, you know, it's actually got to be fun and good. But um, my point is, I got a lot of nasty comments about that, and um, people actually. Um, I stream very, very small Twitch channel. Um, but um, the actually, what's your what's your channel name? You got to hear that. Uh, it's just my last name, B O K O R Twitch. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, TV slash Bocor. Are there um, bathtubs involved? Um, no, <laughs> no. It's usually no. He of... he stream he streams TV now. <laughs> <laughs> but the guy actually came on my Twitch stream in my chat and was trying to like you know, basically call me out on this review I wrote. And I was kind of like, oh, my God, man. But, you know, I was just like, hey, thanks for reading. You know, um, you know, I try to be fair and told him the same thing. But um, 
Yeah, the it's just, was, it, was it the developer? I don't know. I yeah, don't what know. game? What game was this? Now we have to know. Um, uh, God, I. I you, this, you, this, don't, I don't you don't have to say. It. You don't have to say. It, we don't want him coming after us. That's true, but or that's had, another you've thing. Had that happened to you before. <laughs> yeah, I had a. I had a guy come after me because I bought a copy of the Technomancer like a week in advance and reviewed it, and this guy was angry as hell. Oh, yeah. Well, this what? isn't even. That's not even my worst one. We one got them, taken off the press list. Goodbye. One, oh yeah, I've been taking off press list yeah. before too. I'm not going to name there either. Yeah. But um, one of my one of the companies that uh, I had a bad experience with last year, uh, developer is actually suing Valve. <laughs> oh no. Because their oh. game was banned. Oh, really? oh, one of those. Yes, but okay. um, you know the Wolfire game lawsuit? Yes, yes I do. They are involved with that now. They are actually involved with that antitrust lawsuit. Wow. I'm, uh, I, I don't know any of the details of that case, but there's so many scandals that have gone on about this and that. And uh, I think Microsoft just came out and said that like Xbox Live is not a free speech platform. So, I mean... Who knows? I, I think I they know. basically yeah they basically said that if you're going to be a jerk, they're going to ban you from f- all their stuff full stop, which to <laughs> me just says don't be a oh. jerk. Yep. But then again, Microsoft has not exactly proven that they can keep the hate off of Xbox. So No, no. Those those 12-year-olds are the are the finest people. Um They, they swear well. They, speaking they of use... game news though. <laughs> yeah. So I think are we are we off the the game? So I think uh do you want to before we wrap up though, I think we should just recount a little bit before we get going um quick thing guys uh for those who are listening we have a giant list of games that came out and we've only touched on it a little bit we are here we'd be here 40 hours if we went through everything um going through this list is there any other honorable mentions that you did make your list that you just want to touch on really briefly before we head out well uh this one's not a game uh the atari vcs oh god uh, <laughs> is one of the worst console experiences i have ever you, you had played one yes yeah. i have one in fact wow and it is terrible it um it's billed as a hybrid console pc um or yeah and um it's just it doesn't function as either it the games that are proprietary to it don't even run well. <laughs> are you surprised? Like that thing looked like a train no. wreck. Like that, uh-uh. that felt like a scam. Man, like, it, in the beginning, it's not. They're so sincere, though. I mean, like maybe that's how you run the perfect scam. You know, <laughs> you just keep the straight face. Well, yeah. you know, yeah. It's just, it's that's the worst. That's my worst of twenty twenty one. Anything video game related is the Atari VCS. It is a shame. How are you feeling about the Intellivision coming out? Like, what do you think of it? Like, I'm getting vibes that are similar to this. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, that kind of reminds the Intellivision one actually reminds me of that uh, more of the Coleco. Oh, what was that? Coleco Chameleon, whatever that was. Oh, man, that was where the guy had in the um, Jaguar shell that he had like a capture card as his like demo. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if you heard about that, but that's the television is giving off hard vibes well, of that. But I don't think it's it's sad because it's being spearheaded by Tommy Tallarico. And full disclosure, you know, Tommy's a fan of the podcast. He's been on Pop Zara before. Um, we've interviewed him and we've done some stuff. Uh, but it's really sad because to see someone who's so respected sort of get tied with such an obvious. Speaking of Enron, you know, it's Enron. to be tied. <laughs> I'm being serious. It's like this is not you don't this is not the hill you die on. <laughs> You, so you, you excise yourself from this hill and you walk yeah. away. 
So there's a bunch of games on here that we could talk about, but this is long as hell already. Yeah. So I just want to call out some names that really, really spoke to me. Forza Horizon 5 was great. Mm-hmm. It's on Game Pass. By the way, <clears throat> Forza Horizon 5, our senior tech editor, Herman XM, his game of the year, and a lot of people's game of the year, by the way. Let's just, let's just yeah, say that. Yeah, it, it deserves that for that. sure. Other good yep. games. Back for Blood. Get some friends together. It's on Game Pass. You don't even have to talk them into it. They should already have Game Pass. <laughs> Uh, games that were maybe not so good. Battlefield 2042. Eh. Uh, Balan Wonderworld. I think it was fine. A lot of people didn't like it very much. Um, games that were good. Guilty Gear Strive. Loved it. Um, the Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl remakes. Those are pretty good too. Uh, Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon. Probably the best game you can buy for your Switch released in the past few months. Um, let's see if there's anything else on here that is worth talking about. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV and Walker, which is so popular they had to stop selling the game. Um, Speaking of games that started broken, fix themselves. Think uh, about that. Yeah, it's something else. It's pretty amazing. Uh, Grand Theft Auto, the Trilogy Definitive Edition, speaking of starting out broken. And staying broken. And staying... Well, it's gotten a little better. You know they, You know what's funny about that game? They are... I've never seen this happen before, where they had to... The only time it ever happened similar is when Microsoft took off the Halo Chief Master Collection or whatever... And they, they made the old games available to compensate for the fact that the new games were broken. Yep. And and uh, what is it? Uh, Rockstar has been given free games out left and right to, to say sorry for this game because it wasn't what it needed to be. And uh, those are all the big ones that I would mention offhand. Anton, Nate, you got any? Anton, you take it. Um, Antel, sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. Um... Well, I guess the only thing I have is a comment on Back for Blood, uh, how that game, uh, despite early, I guess, uh, good first impressions for me, uh, ended up being extremely disappointing. Um, really? It's a game that I definitely was super recommending to play, but I ended up not being uh, a fan of after playing for a little was bit it, Was it the card thing that got you? Is that it? God, no, the card thing's the best part about it, because, I mean, like, uh, that reminded me so much. I guess part of the problem is uh, it was so close to Chaos Waste, the way they did that, but it just wasn't exactly what I wanted. But the thing is, it's, um, and I watched a great YouTube video that highlighted, um, I think my complaint in my review was how generic it was, and I couldn't, you know how you're trying to, like, um, I guess, you know, uh, be able to put words to a concept, you know, something that I kept thinking like, this is generic, this is generic. I couldn't even put my finger on why. There's a YouTube video that um, brilliantly explains why. Everything from like facial animations to character reactions, um, you know, Back for Blood is incredible step down from uh, Left for Dead, and I almost feel bad that I gave it such a high review <laughs> that I did in you hindsight. Know, the funny thing is I didn't, I never played Left for Dead back when those were big, so I didn't have much to compare it with. Yeah, there's a reason why Left 4 Dead um, population uh, increased, like the player base increased after Back 4 Blood came out. Mm. And it has, and they are superior games. Different, extremely different. Um, But, yeah, I think Back 4 Blood is a step back. Now, again, I don't want it to be bad, and uh, they seem to have a future going with it, so hopefully it gets better over time. It's been very successful, though. That's the thing. Yes, it has been, and it actually made... 
a bunch of best of lists. It was nominated for best game of the year or best multiplayer game of the year or something in the video game awards, um, which, you know, I guess is the, you know, like Oscars of the video game, which I didn't think there was going to be a thing, but you know, video games awards is it. Um, <clears throat> unless you disagree. because I, don't, I, can't I, think of, I prefer the spike man TV awards with all the obnoxious Skittles commercials. Oh God. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, it's, uh, possible that it'll be better and it seems like there's a lot of uh you know especially early critical acclaim for it but it's one of those games that it's just when i came back to it i just it wasn't good anymore it's like i I hit a wall and i didn't want to continue also i think the problem is um its progression is really slow it's difficult but yeah i can i can have a whole podcast about that by itself (laughs) let them fight all right Uh, (laughs) all that said i gotta i have a comment on a couple things and then i'm done one Sonic Colors, was it Sonic Colors Ultimate, mm-hmm. the remake? Um, the best 3D Sonic game. Uh, came out on the Wii. Uh, nobody really played it. Came, it's better now. Uh, one of the best soundtracks of any Sonic game. Uh, if, you, if you think 3D Sonic games can't be good, Sonic Colors will prove you wrong. There's no werewolves. There's no knights. There's no BS. It's Sonic, and it's pretty good for a 3D Sonic game, i got to say. Uh, not Game of the Year by any stretch. It wasn't Game of the Year when it came out, but still pretty good. Uh, Far Cry 6, I know we talked about, um, uh, we talked about, uh, remakes and everything, Intel, about on the Switch before. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about Far Cry 6. Um, I feel it's too much. It's not a bad game, but I feel like the formula may have hit hit a wall. But it's still not a bad game, and it looks pretty good. And it has Gus from, uh, Breaking Bad as the bad guy. Yeah, Yeah, I I thought it was fun, yeah. They had um, that one guy, um, oh my god, that super popular villain that everybody loved from the third game. I can't remember his name. Uh, Voss. <clears throat> yes, they had him, and it's like they just leaned into that so hard. You know, yeah. like have the iconic villain, and um, I skipped six. There, I, I couldn't there is, here's the end of it, though. There's a story where you have to meet Danny Trejo, Trini Trejo, and we mm. all like Danny Trejo, but let's be honest, he makes crappy movies. Um, you have to help him make his tacos. And you got to defend him from getting attacked with machine guns while he he just can't stop making his tacos. And the warlords want to steal his tacos. And that's the most original thing in Far Cry Six. That and the alligator, the al- is it alligator, Corey, uh, named Guapo. Yes. The T-shirt. Like the game has its heart in the right place, but the formula is stale at this point. It needs to be revived. I had a lot more fun playing Dying Light on the Switch than I did playing Far Cry Six. Far Cry 6, though, you can get it for a song. It's really cheap right now. Um, if you like that, it's more of what you like and not anything else. Can you play co-op? Uh, I think you can. can. Uh, six? Can I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think you can. I think you have to unlock uh, a certain thing first. But that might be the really... case then, yeah. Yeah, it's, not one, it's one of those things. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that really stood out for me. No, it was a pretty good year, though. Overall, your guys' selections were great. I wish I had played No More Heroes 3, but Corey told me it's not the greatest thing in the world. I really wanted to play a crazy game like that again. Oh, Age of Empires 4. I gotta say Age of Empires 4 because a game I never thought I'd see. Uh, did any of you guys play this besides me? No, and I feel like I completely missed it. There are so many games I missed last that, year. That's, the same thing happened to me. I, I guarantee yeah. it's a rock-solid game, and I just haven't had the chance to get to it yet. It's 
it's another one of those things where it's funny because we always talk about Game Pass being a great reservoir, but in reality is Game Pass on PC is turning out to be kind of a better deal in, in many ways because a lot of, Microsoft is releasing a lot of exclusive games only on the PC or first, and this is one of them. Um, it's you know it's funny you talked about what was the game you mentioned the Warhammer game that keeps getting updated every couple a little bit. Uh, Vermintide two. Yeah, uh, Microsoft's been updating Age of Empires two since nineteen ninety nine. Like it still receives updates. Um, yeah, so it's nice to see a sequel, and it's funny because the sequel looks a lot more like Part Two than Part Three did. Um, it's not the most graphically impressive game. Uh, it's not the most user friendly for a first time. But if you miss that type of RTS action, yeah, I think you'll be pretty happy with Age of Empires Four. There's a lot of game there. So, but that's that's it. I think uh, you guys have any other comments about that? No, I think I'm good to go. Until any, yeah. any any final words about 2021? Uh, I'm sure I could have a bunch, but I think that covers everything I wanted to cover. Okay. Uh, well, 2021 was a year. A lot of stuff happened. Uh, we all hoped it would be the closeout of the pandemic. It might still prove to be. That being said, all the trade shows went silent. I think they just canceled E3 again six they months sure in did. advance. Can't, can't be too careful. Got to predict the future in six months. It was a year that saw Apple versus Epic. I think that ended at a stalemate. Uh, NFTs tried to get into video games and were rejected. A lot of scandals. You know, funny story about that. A funny story about that. I'm looking at my Steam inventory right now, and I have a whole bunch of guns from Team Fortress 2 back when I played that. Digital (laughs) items that, yeah. What can you do with them? I can trade them and sell them if I want. Can you? (laughs) Hmm. No. (laughs) Doesn't take massive amounts of energy. Yeah. Corey, you uh, you should invest all your money. In NFTs. I'm gonna. With monkeys. We, With should, we should create Pop Zara and Third Coast Review NFTs. <laughs> I, you won't like what we'd get. <laughs> you won't like. Um, I just. But but anyway, yeah, it was a weird year. A lot of stuff happened. Um, everybody seemed to have a good year this year. And uh, I will say this: 2022 looks to be even better. I hope it is. And I hope you both can join me next year if we're still alive. If nothing happens, we can talk about the best of 2022. Uh, you've been listening to the Pop Sara Podcast, a.k.a. the State of Gaming Podcast, where we talk about video games all year long. This year, we talked about the whole year, all year long on one episode. It's the best of. I want to thank our senior games editor, Mr. Corey Gallagher. Corey, thank you for a great year, all hey. year long. It was great. Hey, thank you. And our special, special guest, returning champ, uh, Mr. Antal Bokar from Third Coast Review, the Chicago Way. Um, stay safe, Antal, and thank you once again for coming back. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. And with that, we will close it out and see everybody on the next level. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the PopZara Podcast. For more exciting content, check out PopZara.com for the latest on games, movies, tech, and more.